0: I'm author and athlete Brad Kearns. Welcome to the Be Rad Podcast, where we explore ways to pursue peak performance with passion throughout life. Visit bradkearns.com for great resources on healthy eating, exercise, and lifestyle. And here we go with the show.
1: Don't just go and get your blood work done and then go on your merry way. See if you can see what diet would work for you to improve your Uh, health markers within your blood, within a guided relationship with whomever is interpreting your blood with you. Let's have meals at meals. Let's get rid of snacks. And when you go 30 grams of protein per meal, you start to end up in this category of potentially getting in three grams of the most important amino acid that you can get, and that's leucine. You don't just fall apart when you get old. It's the bad habits that you run into that potentially are going to cause you to fall apart much faster.
0: Hey, I want to tell you about Schwank Grills. This is a revolutionary portable gas infrared grill that uses the exact same heating technology as the world's best steakhouses. You heat up to 1500 degrees Fahrenheit to grill the juiciest steak you've ever tasted in as little as three minutes. Can you believe it? That's right. You do not have to go to those crowded, noisy, super overpriced steakhouses anymore when you have the same technology in your backyard. And the Schwank portable infrared grill is not just for steak. You can make chicken wings hamburgers seafood lobster vegetables i make salmon in three minutes they even have a pizza stone accessory i want you to visit their very informative and mouth-watering website at schwankgrills.com that's s-c-h-w-a-n-k everything you cook faster juicier the speed is so important so convenient Uh, there's a drip tray on the bottom so you let the juices drip down i love the bison burger the venison burgers that's my game and then you can add a mixture of butter spices whatever you want into the tray pour it back onto your meat or your salmon for a huge improvement in flavor are you getting hungry? I am. (laughs) Let's go to schwankgrills.com, S-C-H-W-A-N-K grills.com and up your home cooking game. This is a one of a kind grill. I have a great discount code for you. Of course, it's BRAD150 to save $150 off your purchase of a Schwank grill. Hi, listeners. It is time to meet the meathead millionaire this is my good friend mark bell of the mark bell power project podcast you gotta check out that sensational show i've been on twice they do wonderful long form interviews about all manner of fitness health healthy eating peak performance and all kinds of other stuff with the unique three host format so when i'm a guest on the show It is some fun, grilling and fast moving conversation just like this one because we bounce all over the place. So it's kind of hard to tee up the show. We hit on so many topics. uh, So I thought I should introduce Mark a little bit. If you haven't heard of him, you can go check some links out too. But this guy is a legend in the powerlifting and fitness community, a well-known fitness entrepreneur. He's free thinking. He's hard charging. He's highly motivated. And he really is someone who's dedicating his life to helping others and spreading great information. And that's what the Power Project is all about, is seeking out the best in the world, learning from them, sharing the information with everyone. He's got a massive following on social media, and it started with his deep career and high performance in the powerlifting world. And now he's really trying hard to transcend that and become an expert and an enthusiast in a variety of different areas, including running jogging, sprinting, and sharing this information uh with the the Musclehead community that might not be fully engaged yet, but he's encouraging people to branch out. So it's pretty cool. And in this show, oh my gosh, we talk about all kinds of fitness, diet topics. We wander through a good bit of his life story all the way up to present day. Um the format is kind of how he and his sidekicks Ensima and Andrew roll on the Power Project where we just get into the studio and get to talking so i think you're going to get a lot out of this it's very thoughtful Uh, we get deep we get pretty heavy at times Uh, one point he talks about how the untimely death of his older brother and role model uh, was a catalyst that inspired him to go for it and take action on this entrepreneurial dream that he had he had an invention rolling around in his head for years that he never did anything about And you'll get to hear how sensational uh, that story rolls. Uh, But I also want to tee him up and acquaint you with his athletic background because he was a champion in this sport of powerlifting. So you know that bodybuilding is where they get oiled up and they flex on stage and they have judges and somebody is declared to have the best physique. But powerlifting is more uh, of an organized competition where they are lifting in three different events and then adding up the weight. So it's very straightforward. Uh, and the three events are uh, squat, bench press, and deadlift, three of the fundamental movements that you'll see in any gym. And he was putting up numbers like 1,080 pounds in the squat, 854 pounds in the bench press, and 766 pounds in the deadlift. At the time, uh, to compete at the highest level, he was weighing in at 330 pounds because mass moves mass. But interestingly, and Notably, for many uh, former athletes who you know have difficulty like recalibrating and getting it back into normal, healthy life, he's lost over hundred pounds and kept it off for over a decade. And he has experimented with different diets, perhaps as much or more than anyone else on the planet, along with his brother Chris Bell, the Chris Bell podcast. So he has a lot to say about the mentality associated with healthy eating and setting dietary goals, fat reduction goals, how to do it right. And we're going to get some of that and also uh, get teed up to uh, his ending point here of his lifelong exploration of optimal eating. And that would be meat and fruit. Hey, You might sound familiar. That's right. We're working on a book project together. We feel like this animal-based nutrient-dense diet is the, uh, the, the epitome of healthy eating for peak performance, longevity, disease prevention, all that stuff. How's that for an intro? Let's get to know Mark Bell. What a pleasure to turn the tables on Mark Bell here in 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 your in your hood. I wonder what but, that
1: actually means, turn
0: yeah. the tables. Is that like a DJ put you on the or spot, man? To put the needle on the record, turn the tables. Mark is on the B Rad podcast. Thank you and, so
1: much. I appreciate it.
0: Oh, my gosh. What a pleasure. It's been so fun to join you on the Power Project mm. and the, the the triple host format with Andrew and NCMA. We'll probably hear from Andrew, right? Because that's you just can't help yourself. You got uh, you to weigh mean, in if, sufficiently. If, if there's anything that I can weigh in on, I will. But He's
2: a hype man. Every once in a while, he'll be like, yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> uh. I mean, um, this is a yeah. guy... Who- uh. <laughs> This is a guy who eats 10 eggs for breakfast. Yeah. And we just talked about that before we started recording. it's such a cool a, uh, concept. Liver King yeah. guy? like he, Liver King eats like what? Nine Liver King, eggs? Liver King's, something? his recipe. It's like one it, shy? It, it's in hmm. one of our wow. books. He has nine eggs. Wow. And here's Andrew with 10. Mm. Uh, he'll get there eventually. <laughs> I know Liver King's going to listen to this. So Liver King, come on, man. Step up. <laughs> <laughs> Andrew's the
2: champ. Reigning champ
1: for now. I mean, until he gets knocked off. Yeah.
0: But this concept of uh, striving for a nutrient density diet... Mark, you and I have been talking about it like crazy because mm-hmm. we got a book coming out pretty soon that's going to yeah. be setting the whole world straight. And it was just nice to connect with Andrew on that level and realize, man, what a fantastic way to start your day. And if the old timers are listening and thinking, wow, what's your cholesterol? I'm sure people ask you that after you tell them. What do you tell them, man? Um,
2: well, I mean, actually, <laughs> I actually, I, because I don't really... Truly don't get asked that very often. But I mean, if anybody did, I can literally show them my blood work and everything is in range. But then that brings up another conversation, which is, well, what does in range even mean? So I don't get caught up in any of that. I just make sure I feel good um, if I'm performing well, whatever it is that I'm trying to work on. As long as everything's good, then I don't worry about it. But um, the it is funny, though, because my dad did have high cholesterol, according to the doctors. So when I tell them like what I eat for like just in general, like I eat a lot of steak, I eat a lot of eggs. That's when like I have to be like, oh, I have to be careful who I tell because sometimes it's like, you know, Mm. then my mom's like, oh you can't be doing that. Mm. (laughs) Sometimes there are things to pay attention to if we could
1: uh, try to find some common ground Mm. in this space. Uh, That's the difficulty, right? Like it doesn't seem like much is agreeable. Somebody would be like, well, vegetables, they're okay. And then someone else would be mm-hmm. like, no, vegetables have nutrients in them that are trying to
0: kill you. I know. That used to be the common ground, the only one. Like mm-hmm. um, I'm old friends with Rip Esselstyn, who's one of the leaders of the plant-based movement. His father, Dr. Caldwell Esselstyn from the Cleveland Clinic, has done amazing work reversing heart disease. And so these guys are like at the pinnacle of the plant-based, you know, whole food uh, all, the, all that great attributes get rid of the processed food. We agree on so many levels. And then we hit these checkpoints where, you know, uh, Rips talking on his TED Talk, which is seen by however many million people that if you eat too much red meat and all that saturated fat, you're going to clog the blood vessels of your penis. You won't get an <laughs> erection. And it's just terrible. And it's like, wait a second, man. Um, this is where the, the, the fork in mm-hmm. the road splits. And it's a matter of life or death. And so sometimes in the back of my mind, I'm like, you know, I, I sure as heck hope that the people I follow in the world that I'm in are, you know, are right because the stakes are high. But then if your blood work looks good, I mean, that's the highest level of medical scrutiny that we have. So what are you going to say? I mean, it's like, it's hard to dispute someone who's walking around feeling great. You must also, be doing something right. I
1: also don't know if blood work tells us a lot. You know, there's some people that have, I mean, you know, uh, high-level triathlete people, uh, marathon people, sometimes people just drop and we don't really know why and they had a heart attack or something. Um, We do know that sometimes overtraining could be uh, some of the cause of that, but, like, let's just face the facts. uh, Human beings are complicated and sometimes we just something, uh, if something's just off for a fraction of a second, that could be it if you don't get medical attention right away. So there's all kinds of things that can happen, and I always like to try to go back to like, what's agreeable? What are things that make some sense? Does it make hmm. sense to eat piles of saturated fat all day? Maybe not, you know, and if we put saturated fat and proteins in combination over and over and over again, um, you know, it with, with even something like a steak, like a ribeye and with eggs and stuff like that. Can we overeat for calories? I think we can. Can we cause damage to the heart? I I don't really know. Um, but it does seem that there is some information. I'm going to get some of this jumbled up because I don't remember all the different things. But I think if you have a cardiologist that's a little bit more modern, mm. they'll tell you it's not just a cholesterol profile. You're trying to look at also the triglycerides. You're also looking at your blood pressure. You're also looking at your uh, glucose, your uh, A1C. Like there's kind of a combination of things. Fasting
0: insulin, Paul Saladino says, is number one. Right, And it's not on hardly any routine blood panels. You have to beg to get it. I, I begged my family practice mm. physician to put it on mine and my wife's. And she's like, why do you need to look at that? I'm like, because uh, Dr. Paul Saldino says it's the single best metric to track your heart disease and metabolic health. Mm. OK, fine. You know, <laughs> right. Yeah. So there's there's stuff you can look at.
1: And there's like ApoB and like mm-hmm. there's all fractions of the cholesterol that you could look at. And it can maybe start to give you more information. What I would advise for people to do, if they do want to get into this rabbit hole and they do get their blood work done, don't just go and get your blood work done and then go on your merry way. See if you can see what diet would work for you to improve your uh, health markers within your blood, within a guided relationship with whomever is interpreting your blood with you. Now that can be complicated too, because you don't know if you're getting steered in the correct direction, but uh, hopefully you found a good company and you found someone that you can trust and you can go back and forth on your goals. And I can, you could say, look, man, I want to be a 270 pound savage power lifter, but I don't want to die young. Can you help keep me in check with some of this? And they could look <laughs> at some of your numbers and say, Hey man, like that's out of range. Hmm. But the other person could say, I got a contest coming up i 'm a little heavier than normal i 'm utilizing more performance enhancing drugs than normal i 'm eating more than normal, but as soon as the contest is over i 'll clean it back up. those kinds of things
0: mm-hmm. yeah I also feel like we get so uh, deep into the science and people are standing behind all this scientific reference to argue there speaking of rip again there 's a lot of science supporting this idea that the the whole food plant based diet is the the, the way to avoid heart disease and and perform at your peak and all this stuff. And then there's a whole bunch of evidence at the animal-based diet and the, the examples. So I think it's good to look to people who are actually out there doing something. And in terms of, you know, checking your blood and, and tracking your health that way, I'd also like to know, can you lift some heavy weight up off the ground? Mm-hmm. What is your time in the mile? Uh, the Cooper Institute and Texas A&M did this huge study with thousands of people and they Measure mile time at age fifty mm. as a tracker for health and longevity and and health potential. How well you're going to be, what's your potential to live to age eighty. And they said it was the best. It was better than anything in the blood labs. Uh, and to just go out to a track and run four laps. And if you can break eight or break nine as a female, break eight as a male, you're in the superior category. You're looking really good to go till 80 nice and strong. And if you can't break 12 or can't break 13, you're in the needs to improve at risk category. Mm. And it's, you know, that's sort of less disputable than any blood panel or any diet uh, intervention or study relating to what people eat. It's like, here they are performing.
1: And it tells you at the baseline that these are people that think about this quite a bit, you know, somebody that's running those times in the mile. Those are people that are probably thoughtful about getting some sort of exercise in getting some sort of training in making sure they're not overeating and things of that nature. But
0: healthy user bias, it's fast mile
1: runners. (laughs) That's right. I mean, it, it, it is like, uh, it's ridiculous that we have to have, it's ridiculous that we have to have evidence of, particular ways of eating that have been around forever Mm. like when you pretty much just say hey look man eat natural foods and some people go a little haywire with what's natural and so forth but like let's just say you got meat you have some dairy you have some fruit maybe there's some room for some vegetables maybe there's a little bit of room for some rice and potatoes and stuff like that too who gives a shit not not a huge problem And maybe once in a while you have 3% of your food be just completely off plan. Mm. Let's just pretend it never happened. Not a big deal. Doesn't make up a huge percentage of your food. It's kind of ridiculous that people want a study done on that because that's the way that humans have been eating for quite some time. And it appears that as long as you're not, again, as long as you're not overeating on a daily basis should be okay. And there's certain situations where people do get diabetes where they, I guess by definition, they wouldn't necessarily be overeating because they're not overweight. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So with the exception of some of those folks who have kind of over-carbohydrated themselves, um, there's really not a ton to concern yourself with if you are prioritizing protein. I think protein is kind of the key ingredient. Let's go after protein, about 30 grams of protein per meal. Let's have meals at meals. Let's get rid of snacks. And when you go 30 grams of protein per meal, you start to end up in this category of potentially getting in three grams of the most important amino acid that you can get, and that's leucine. So by having leucine in the body, you're going to help protect your body against kind of breaking down the muscle, especially if you're somebody that's lifting. You're going to be able to have more muscle mass for longer. Being stronger is always advisable. I say this all the time. Strength is never weakness. Weakness never strength. And that alludes to the fact that I never met anybody who was like, man, I wish for that football game I was a lot weaker. That would have been super beneficial. (laughs) I wish when I fought that guy that I was a lot weaker and slower. You know, I wish that when I had cancer, I wish I was weaker. It would have been great to go into cancer at 140 pounds rather than being 250 and jacked. No one's ever going to say that because we, we need that muscle mass. It's a protective mechanism. It's something that allows us to flourish, allows us to go on. And now, you know, nowadays where you're starting to see more and more guys that are 40, 50, 60, it's not just the TRT thing that's going on. There's a lot more people that are are more conscious and mm-hmm. that still want to get after it into their older ages because they're recognizing something that I think is really important. You don't just fall apart when you get old. It's the bad habits that you run into that that potentially are going to cause you to fall apart much faster than just old age. Old age takes kind of a long time to really, to really show up at your doorstep and say, Hey man, you know, things are getting really rough around here. But I know for like yourself and and for myself, you know, sometimes people are like, how did you transfer into like running? Like, I don't understand, like your knees don't hurt. Uh You don't have Achilles problem or you don't have a problem with your foot. You don't. I'm like, I've been exercising forever. Like, what are you talking about? Running, (laughs) running is pretty easy. Now it's not easy to, for me to start to run really fast for really long distances and those kinds of things. Uh, But the pressure involved with running so far, I'm still new to it. So some people might be like, just wait, bitch, you're going to (laughs) get, you're going to get jacked up. Uh, But so far, uh, you know, I've run about four miles every day. I feel really good. I ran four miles twice yesterday. Dang. Um, I'm just, I'm just letting it all happen because it, it feels really good at the moment. And I have gotten dinged up, of course, end up with ankle things and calf things and shin things here and there, but, uh, it's been, it's been good for the most part, but I think it's every human being's job to make yourself super resilient. And what we're talking about all the time, which at, which is at the forefront of everything, which should be the focal point of everything, which is stress mitigation.
2: Hmm.
1: Why? Why do you want to, quote unquote, be less fat? You want to be less fat so you can mitigate stress easier. You want to be healthier so that the things that come into your life, which you may interpret as negative, and that's kind of up to you. It's the things I've learned over the years. But if you interpret something as negative, how far does that reaction go? Mm. Does that reaction alarm you and now you're yelling at somebody else or now you're texting somebody something uh, that maybe if you just took a beat and took a moment, because we don't have to be dragged around by our emotions all day long. But that's what I'm seeing so many uh, millions and millions of Americans doing. They're taking certain situations that happen uh, because they took a loan or a car payment out. That's way, they had no business doing this in the first place. It's like they've, it's the first time they ever made money. Now they got a $500 a month car payment. It's like, dude. You just got your head above water. That is so cool. You don't need to be carrying a 45 pound dumbbell with you while you're trying to tread water as well. And that's what a lot of people are doing, but they just keep taking their problems, sweep them under the rug. Oh, I'll pay that tomorrow. Hmm. Oh, I'll do that tomorrow. I'll Start my walk tomorrow. Sweep it under the rug. Sweep it under the rug. Over a period of time, you start to become very fragile and all the stresses that come at you rather than trying to deal with them somewhere inside, you know that you're fragile, so you don't deal with them. Because you're sh- going to wait until tomorrow to get to them. They pile up, they pile up, they pile up, and you're just a stress bomb walking around all the time ready to explode.
0: So you become fragile by avoiding and c- 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 carving this path mm-hmm. where you don't have to face up to things, including lack of fitness or lack of dietary scrutiny. Neglect.
1: Neglect is the yeah. most powerful, in my opinion, it's the most powerful and, mo- and one of the most evil things in this world, to neglect a child Mm. To me is like, I don't know, you know, I don't, I never been abused. I never been neglected, but I do know some people that have been in both cases and some people that have been, um, some people that have been neglected, they're like, I'd rather have my parents punch me in the face. Mm. That's how tough it can be for people. That's what a hard interpretation that is to have neglect, but yet we neglect so many things in our own life and we know that we neglect and that's why we won't face them head to head. You know that you're supposed to run. You know you're supposed to eat better. Mm. Um, what about, you know, when family members see you sometimes, they're like, oh,
2: great. You know, here comes
1: Brad. And they're like, they got to.
2: What if, lecture does
1: he have yeah. today? And they feel like they got to like, yeah, man, I was going to, I, you know, I was going to start last month and, and you didn't even say anything yet. <laughs> you're like, hey, Bill, how you <laughs> doing? <just> ready. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're ready to like divulge information because they feel that kind of guilt on the mm. inside. But let's uh, not get it twisted. We don't need you to do everything, but we mm. need you to do something. So stay connected, st- hold tight. I just had a friend recently, he lost his dad. He's like, man, he's like, I got to admit to you, I, I fell off plan and things are. I said, don't you, look, look, we're talking about a couple days of nutrition. Right. Not a huge deal. Mm. But if we're starting to talk about a couple days of nutrition, a couple days of walking, a couple days of lifting, can we keep one thing in? Can we keep something in? Can we agree upon, hey, man, get in like, uh, get in a mile walk. You know, get in a mile walk each of these days, even though you went through a tragic situation. Fuck the diet for a couple of days. Don't worry about it. Let's get back to it in a couple of days. But you got to stay tethered to something. Mm. Because if you're not out there doing the work, as we were talking about with the running this morning, if you're not out there doing the work, you can't expect have any of the results. And this world and your health and your body does not care the excuses that you have. The work has to get done. The, the, the result is still going to be you being less healthy, even though you're like, yeah, but wait a second, you don't understand my situation and how delicate it is. Some serious shit has happened to me. No, it doesn't matter. It's it's regardless of that. And that's why you have to figure out how can you mitigate stresses in your life?
0: It seems like that's a sticking point, though. Is where I, I, I'm armed with a bunch of excuses, and like you said, before I start talking, someone's going to preempt me with uh, whatever. Um, but uh, it's hard to how take we, that first step, right? Yeah, how do how do we get past that where um, you're you, you just blow right through the excuses and take the first step out?
1: You lower that barrier of entry, oh, in whatever way you nice. can. You you rip the top of the. Um, you kind of rip the top of it off by um, taking some of the bite out of it, some mm. of the sting. What's hard about running? Um. Well, if I'm to think about running, I'm thinking I know some people that run. Like I know, like Zach Bitter. <laughs> so what's hard I'll go about run with him? Yeah. What's hard about running? Well, shit, man. That guy runs really far, and he runs for a really long time.
0: Fast. Fast.
1: <laughs> Why? Why so fast? Why is he so good? Um. When I think about stuff like that, I like to break things down into their simplest form. All right. Brad Kern came in here. He saw me at 300 pounds and he said, Mark, it'd be a great idea if you got yourself in some shape where you could get a little bit of running in. And I thought, man, screw Brad Kern. (laughs) Why is he telling me to run? I want to be jacked. But if I'm to think about it a little bit more and I said, he said to run, but he didn't say in which way he didn't say for how long. So I think the next time I'm on a walk. I'm just going to do like a little bit of what someone else would consider if they saw me from across the street. They say, that guy's jogging. That guy's moving. That guy's running. Right. So just faster than a walk, something where the feet are coming off the ground a little bit. You got a little arm swing going, just a little tiny baby jaunt. And can someone do that for 10 seconds? Mm. I think most people listening right now, there's always exceptions to the rule, but most people listening right now, Can probably handle that. Can you do 10 seconds on, one minute rest, 10 seconds on, one minute rest, whatever you need to do? That's how my running journey started. And that's how anything I've ever stuck with for a long period of time started. I didn't, luckily for me, I had two older brothers that showed me the ropes with weights, but I didn't know what was going on. And that was a beautiful thing. They just handed me, like, you know, a curl bar. And you're like, curl this a bunch of times. Uh And I wasn't thinking like, I got to do 100 pounds for 15 reps. I was like, well, just get through this set. Oh, shit, they handed me another
0: one, (laughs) you know. You were just a kid when you started, huh?
1: Yeah, just a kid and just having fun. And so whatever it is, that thing that you are really nervous about or scared about, could be like, could be public speaking. You could be terrified to do some public speaking. Maybe you take your phone, start recording yourself talking hmm. to your phone and maybe you don't ever show anybody because you're like, this is, this is just awful. Can't even believe how bad this is. But what if you did that for a minute and tried to perfect the sales pitch over time or you have some sort of talk that you have to do at work or something? Over time, you're going to mitigate that stress. You're going to lower your anxiety over that thing. And as you do it, more and more and more get more and use more used to it and people will say hey that was unbelievable and you'll be uh, you'll look around the room and be like talking to me <laughs> that's what that's what will happen for people and you know running with you today was so awesome because I know the different things that you've done as an endurance athlete so I think that's it wasn't like I was hanging with you it wasn't like you were trying to no uh, I told
0: Andrew I'm, I feel a little worn out because I went farther than usual because now the power lifter here is going out and busting <laughs> out a four miler. I'm usually at one and a half or two as my as part of my sprint training. I do a mm-hmm. little bit of endurance, but mm-hmm. you're getting after it. I'm impressed.
1: Everybody everybody has access to some people in their life that they know lift, that they know walk, that they right. know run,
0: eat well, yeah. whatever it is. Get yeah. around
1: some of these people yeah. here and there, you yeah. know, like your buddy that's uh your buddy or your uncle or whoever that that's obsessed with like eating properly, mm-hmm. take him
0: out for lunch, <laughs> grill him,
1: And then he's yeah. going to be like, Hmm, you can't go to lunch. You know about seed oils?
0: <laughs> <laughs> There's no you, public restaurant that's suitable. Yeah. Come like, over. Uh, I'll make him lunch.
1: Let's get mm-hmm. a coffee. Is it organic coffee? <laughs> Does that coffee
0: have mold in it? Fair trade stamp. Yeah. What kind of water is in there? <laughs> it's getting rough. It's getting rough. Uh, so you mentioned your, your starting point a little bit with the brothers the Bell Brothers, the notorious mm-hmm. guys that were doing the wrestling in the in the basement, and maybe you could just take us through a little bit of this journey uh with the highlights of you know coming coming to be a a top level power lifter now you you continue to broaden your horizons and take on new challenges,
1: yeah, I think the story, and maybe some other people can relate you know I was like the runt. The runt of the litter. I was the youngest. Hard uh, to imagine
0: that now. But. My
1: my oldest brother, Mike, he was uh, about eight years older than me. And so he was too big to like, you know, he was too big for me to like wrestle with and stuff. Uh, but him and Chris were always at ends. They were always like beating the crap out of each other, sometimes for fun and just like messing around. But Mike was really big and Mike was really strong. I think maybe at like 15 years old, he's about six foot and like 240. I mean, he's just a monster. And so they were always wrestling and then I would jump in and Mike would like play with me and then Chris would probably hurt me or Chris's friends. And then Mike would beat everybody up in the room. <laughs> he was just like,
0: that's how it went. Yeah. He's
1: just like, I, you know, then it well, was
0: dinner time. Yeah,
1: exactly. We can't can't have any of this. And then it was hard for me to try to get a place at the uh, dinner table to be able to mm-hmm. eat enough because those two were uh, chowing their food down. And and both of them, um, they have a different. They had different, a different level of confidence than what I had when I was young. So they both talked a lot. And I was always just like listening, watching them go back and forth. And my mom talked a lot. And my dad talks a lot. Everybody, so I didn't couldn't get a word in, you know. So I was always just kind of a little bit more of an observer when I was young. And uh with Chris and Mike both being in a the lifting, they're like, our little wimpy brother, like, he's not going to – this is like unacceptable. He can't go around looking like this. You know, he's got a lift. And I was like a – decently sized kid, but I didn't, you know, I'm 12 or 13 and I'm kind of getting skinny fat, you know? And so they got me into, uh, they got me into some lifting. My dad, I don't know. I don't know how my dad knew like what weights to get, but like he bought a beautiful weight set. He bought, um, a nice squat rack. He bought like, like high level Olymp, like, um, not anything crazy expensive or anything, but he bought a really nice weight set. And I always look back at that. I'm like, how the hell did you he know what to get? Because even for now, that would still be not a nice wow. way to start. So the weights were just there. And oddly enough, or interestingly enough, we had weights on one side and on the other side was business. My dad uh, has a tax practice. Hmm. So I always saw, I always saw the combination of weights and business going hand in hand all the time. If I wanted to walk outside, I had to walk through my dad's office. So sometimes I'd be in the gym doing some stuff and. I grew up in New York. It'd get kind of hot and humid in there. So sometimes I would I would walk outside for a minute, drink some water, cool down and, and come back through. And I saw him always wheeling and dealing. And
0: Can you depreciate that? <laughs> okay.
1: Yeah, ex- exactly. I saw him count, <laughs> counting checks all the time, you know. And I would get done with workouts sometimes and I would sit across from him and I'm like, I don't know, 14 or something. And he would he would put these checks down and this check is for 375. So other one's for 200. So other one's for a hundred. And I noticed the names on there. And a lot of them had our last name on there. I'm like, is that from uncle Jimmy? He's like, <laughs> yeah. I was like, he's your brother and your best friend. I was like, why are you hustling him for money? He's like, well, it, it's a business and they want to pay me. He's like, I've tried to tell most of them not to pay me but it was it was a bunch of friends and a bunch of family members checks that he had across the board there and I was like wow that's really (laughs) that's really interesting but what he was explaining was I'm providing a service you know so he's like if you he goes when you're older if you ever want to have a business if you just provide a service and it's a good service people want to pay for it so Uh he's like even though I've told your aunts and uncles and stuff before that they don't need to pay me He's like, they're insistent upon it because they'd have to go pay someone more money anyway. So I think they appreciate that I do this uh this work for them. And I was also, you know, kind of curious too. I was like, I made like 375 bucks, but that person, they weren't really here that long, were they? Mm. He's like, no, I just had to go through some of their files. We did a lot of that work last year, too. Mm. And he's like, it was pretty quick and easy. So he's like, I don't know. I was maybe working with them for like an hour. I'm like, $375 in an hour? Like, that's crazy. What the hell's going on here? So My mind was kind of, you know, thinking about a lot of that stuff. But back to the actual gym stuff, I started out with some pretty good foundation because I I heard about things like Five Sets of Five, the Bulgarian program. Um, And I remember like I read Powerlifting USA and I read some of these different magazines and I never got into bodybuilding. I got into powerlifting. My brothers were more into strength and that's what I wanted to do. And I remember going into the summer from, I think like sixth grade to seventh grade, I'm like, man, I cannot wait to get out of school. Cause once summer starts, I'm starting this Bulgarian program and I can train (laughs) three times a day. I'm like, this is going to be so sick (laughs) because like you could lift heavy in the morning and then you have an assistance uh, stuff in the middle. And then at the end of the day, uh, you would, you would do, um, like a lighter version of what you did in the morning and it would kind of repeat and it cycled through and it, taught me about like percentages and all kinds of different stuff. And I had it all calculated out. Like I can lift this weight right now. Like, I don't know, let's just say 300 pounds on a certain lift. And I was like, by the end of the summer, I'm going to be doing four fifty five. you know, cause like you keep running the program and running the program and it gives you this kind of like end result that you should get. But obviously like your luck runs out at a certain point, like (laughs) your body just doesn't get better forever all the time, unless you're, some of these uh, all-time greats like Ed Cohn and some people like that. So I, I, you know, I would run the program and I would go from 300 to 315. I'd be super disappointed, but it was only like in like uh, eight weeks, you know, Uh and then I would do the program again and gain another 15 pounds of strength. Uh I was like, man, these programs suck. They don't do anything. But I just, meanwhile, just gained 30 pounds of strength on something that I was like kind of already pretty strong at. So, That's kind of where I cut my teeth and learned. And then my brother and I also, um, we went to Mid-Hudson Bodybuilding, which was a gym in Poughkeepsie, New York that we frequented. And then also another gym, uh, which was a powerhouse gym called the Atrium, uh, which we had uh, a coach. And that coach taught us about bench squat, deadlift. Like before that, we didn't really know anything about the form. We just kind of did it. And we were, we were horrible. Hmm. Uh, but this coach taught us about the form and technique. He would write out programs for us. And the cool thing is that me and my brother never did the programs. We always, we only did the main movement and then we always left. <laughs> and, uh, he was always baffled by us getting stronger. Cause he's like, you guys never do the assistance exercises." They're like, ah, those are too light. And they're, mm. they're a waste of time. We're going to go home and eat some pizza and ice cream. <laughs> we didn't have any idea, any knowledge of, uh, you know, nutrition or anything like that, but it worked, and and we were young, and we got bigger and stronger by doing some of that.
0: Uh, so, bodybuilding is the familiar posing on the stage mm-hmm. and looking at your muscles and getting judged by the judges. Powerlifting is uh, much more of a squat. organized competitive yeah. Yeah. squat event.
1: bench deadlift. You get three attempts at each one, and then they take the best lift that you did in each one, and they uh, give you something that's called a total you know, so they add all those together.
0: Um, So that's straight up, how much can you lift in these three? And you're also competing in a weight class, I suppose. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah, So uh, yeah, there's a lot of different weight classes. I mean, it goes all the way from like 114 pounds all the way to super heavyweight. Kind of a funny thing about powerlifting is that there's like a 308 weight class, too, because it's a, a weight
0: class, folks, not a super heavy weight. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's, that's it's, funny. You got to you gotta, gotta trim down to make the 308 cutoff.
1: And that's like right where I usually sat too. you know, yeah. and I would compete at like 320 pounds when I was in the 308 weight class. It's just so funny to think about powerlifters are big, big human beings. A lot of the a lot of the heavier powerlifters and the strongman athletes are like that, too. But mm. the strongman guys are even bigger because they're usually really tall as well. It's not uncommon for some of those guys to be 350, 400 pounds. I mean, imagine some of those guys trying to uh, run. run four
0: miles twice in one day. Yeah, or like, not going happen. Or like
1: run, bike, and swim. It would be like the craziest. No. Even if it was just tiny distances, it just would be. crush
0: the bike. The, the, the top tube would bend.
1: Uh, Hapthor Bjornsson versus uh, no. Eddie Hall would be the ticket, right? So uh,
0: it's being super huge going to be an, an advantage on lifting up more raw weight? What Don't they have longer arms? Is there sort of a build that might be an advantage? Mm.
1: So in terms of, of power lifting, like if you and I are just talking and you're like, man, I just, I want a stronger bench press. The fastest way for us to get you a stronger bench press would be just to have you gain some weight. Let's just put you in a caloric surplus. And that kind of goes for like somebody that wants to get a bigger back or somebody that wants to get let's say bigger arms, go into a nice caloric surplus, Mm -hmm. still eat healthy. Like let's not, let's just kind of get rid of old practices and let's just ditch doing stuff that's unhealthy. You still want to stick with the kind of the cleaner foods. You don't want them to have a negative impact on you, even though you're only 25 or however old someone might be. Um, But get yourself in a caloric surplus, eat up a bit, train. But if you're trying to train and get stronger, And you're doing intermittent fasting and stuff like that at the same time. I'm not going to tell you that it's not going to happen, but it's just going to be a lot harder. Uh And also, if this is a new venture for you, why make it so difficult? You know, (laughs) let's again, I like to try to simplify stuff. I like to, you know, I don't want to take on 17 different things at one time. Uh, It gets to be really complicated. Uh, Something like jujitsu or something like running where you're, you're working on it and you're working on the form and technique. How many things could you work on at a time with running? Well, you you got your right foot, you got your left foot, you got your right arm, your left arm. Like you might be able to work on like two or three different things, but it's not going to be like a great workout. It's going to be a workout that you designated to uh, you working on your technique. It's a technique workout. It's not like a full blast. Like full blast workout where you're trying to go hard uh, would be more something where you're like – I. I know I don't run the best, but I'm just going to utilize what I got for now. And Uh I'm going to work on fixing that some other day, just like you might have to do sometimes with your jumps, right? Uh, You got to make these compromises here and there because you're like, I'm in competition now. Uh There's no time for me to really worry about which way I turn my foot or the fact that I got plantar fasciitis or whatever. You got to kind of go for it, right? So I like to try to break things down into their simplest form when it comes to strength training, it comes to getting stronger the first easiest thing that you can do is probably lean into gaining some weight. If you don't want to gain some weight, uh, the second easiest thing to do, and I guess it could be on par with the first one, is just to simply move into doing triples and singles and stuff like that because a lot of people don't ever train that way. A
0: what lot are, people what are triples and singles?
1: Yeah, just doing three reps, two reps, one oh. rep, you know, and, and, and right. getting those numbers up higher. I talked to you the other day about Pinch chart. It's a really hmm. famous chart. That was created by either a Romanian coach or a a Russian coach. And the interesting thing about the original chart is that the chart doesn't have a hundred percent on it.
0: Hmm. You're
1: looking at it. You're like, that's interesting. It's got 90 and 80 and 70. And it's because they looked at a hundred percent as not being, you see the chart right there.
0: If you're watching on YouTube, we have Prilipin, P-R-I-L-E-P-I-N chart. And it's just a, it's, Calculating percentage of your absolute maximum and then suggested reps and sets mm-hmm. with it just goes up to 90, not 100. Love it.
1: So sometimes like when you get a training protocol from somebody, especially when it comes to lifting, uh, the coach, a lot of times he's not going to include the fact that like no matter how strong you are, you should always warm up with the bar. That's a belief of mine. Mm. Some people might warm up with something heavier, but I always liked utilizing the bar and just moving it around and bench squat or deadlift. Just to see what's there. Yeah, warm you know, up I, with
0: super lightweight, you're saying. Yeah, move yeah. it
1: around and go, oh, that's weird. Empty bar. Yeah. That's weird what's going on with the shoulder Right, today? right. So there's not so much significance on it to where anybody even registers at it as counting as anything. But I think Prilipin in making that chart, I think he thought the same way about 100%. All the way to the point where he, he thought it was kind of, I don't want to say useless because there, obviously there's utility in going a hundred percent, feeling yourself going that hard or that fast, there's definitely uh, a lot of benefit to it. But he just, he didn't even have it on the chart because he also recognized the other thing is that when you give an athlete something, we're, (laughs) athletes are really dumb, right? Like (laughs) more is better. And I'm speaking for myself, you know, like me too. if you gave me a list of things, I'm looking at it right away and I'm like, I could do way better than that. Mm. And I'm going to want to try to give it a little extra oomph. So Somebody uh, that is trying to get stronger and or trying to get bigger or if even if they wanted to stay the same weight but still increase their strength, if you follow some of the information on that chart, you do one to three reps, um, there's no reason to go above 90%. And in fact, if you're going to do like, let's say, three sets of three reps, you want your last rep Mm. of your last set to look like the first rep of your first set. And that is, in my opinion... Not an always, because I'm not a huge fan of absolutes, but if you follow that in most of your lifting career, you will stay healthier for longer and it will be easier for you to get stronger faster by you sticking to having really wonderful, beautiful form. What happens over periods period of time as you start to really lock your form and technique in, the only person that knows that you have bad technique is you. Because it's undetectable Mm. by other people unless they're there with you, unless they've seen you lift a million times, not a million times, unless they've seen you lift a lot. Um, So I had to make those corrections sometimes myself in my lifting career as I got better. And so that's why it's important that you go around with like minded people. Louis Simmons would say, if you walk with the lame, you develop a limp. (laughs) So you want to be moving with people that can move a similar speed to you or even every once in a while, people that can move a lot faster than you. Mm. You know, if we go on that four mile run and we do it every day, I know that there's like science about training in these heart rate zones and stuff like that. But if we go out there and we go with some 25 year old guy who runs that arboretum uh, at a six minute mile pace, like all the time, like it's nothing even if he slowed down to entertain us and was just a little ahead of us, we'd run faster the whole time mm-hmm. and over and we'd probably get better, but maybe at a period of time we'd also like decline cause we we're smashing ourselves too much. But I would imagine in the beginning I'd get a little bit better. So it's important that you get around uh, people that are people that know what they're doing and people that are a little bit better than you. So that'd be kind of the third thing. So number one, you know, gain some, gain some weight, being a caloric surplus. Number two, uh, is to, you know, do due to one to three reps. And the third thing is to get around some awesome people, some people that are really interested, really into, you've mentioned this a bunch, which I thought was amazing. You got around and <laughs> you mentioned, uh, a couple guys would, would take off after a while and, and not hang with the crew because sometimes being with the crew is also to your detriment. And that's really, now you're getting to some high level, really smart stuff.
0: Yeah, you got to pick and choose and the motivation Don't always want to the, compete. The camaraderie is so great, but you really have to put yourself first and make good decisions all the time. I talk to young athletes a lot that are heading off to college to go on the running team and um that was a disaster for me at UC Santa Barbara. I just got destroyed by by the system and the programming that didn't have that individualized element. And so, you know, get get all the camaraderie you need, but when you need to back off, you can still enjoy the camaraderie you tone down that competitive intensity and then then you're you know making the most of uh, the environment as well yeah. as you know your your personal responsibility to yourself and your own voice yeah, i
1: i agree with that a ton and I, again i just think like let's just try to simplify stuff you know what is uh-huh. it that you're what are you trying to address what are you trying to get better at trying to get better at lifting trying to get better at running if you're trying to get better if you are trying to prioritize something well, let's work on the lifting first. You know, if that's what you want to get better at, let's prioritize that. You're like, yeah, yeah, but I want to be fit and I want to run. And well, just wait a minute. You know, like just let's just lift for a couple of weeks. Let's, let's say you're, that you're a runner and you're listening to this right now and you wanted to get into lifting, but you kind of have and haven't, you've been in, in and out a bunch, just go and lift, lift about three or four days a week, mm-hmm. make a commitment to it. Stop running. I know. I know you're sad, but just stop. Just stop running. Pick something else. Walk. Uh, maybe ride a bike. Do something that's different than running. Get off your feet. Stop pounding the lower back, the ankles, all that stuff. Lift for six weeks. Put some effort into that. Work on the progress there. Come back to running. And I promise you, you will be better. It might not happen right away, but we, took, we put too many time constraints on stuff. mm if you just say I don't care, let's take your your uh, your high jump for, as an example. If you say, you know what, I don't care how long this takes, but I will be the best in the world at high jump. <laughs> what if you? What if it happens when you're eighty? You know, when you, at eighty years old, I'm imagining like people probably aren't jumping too crazy. I know it's competitive, no matter what age group you're in.
0: You know what the record is in the ninety-five? Oh, somebody did like seven high feet. jump division, <laughs> zero point nine meters, which is less than three feet. And so my goal is to jump into bed when I'm ninety-five, and I will be a record holder. That's all I got to do is just you know get up onto the mattress on a typical high placement bed. So it that's, is nice to be in the age groups because, um, you know, there's there's attrition. And mm-hmm. if you stay fit and healthy, then you can step right in there. Yeah. I, and I
1: love that. So I think if we, you know, maybe right now, uh, maybe somebody uh, is really struggling with weights and they're like, man, I'm a wimp. I'm kind of a skinnier person. Well, that's fine. And that That's that's maybe just where you're at at the moment. But how much time and effort have you really Have you really put into it when you put some time and effort into it and you get locked into it and you make that kind of the main focus for a bit, you'll be shocked at what you can do. And again, if you're trying to like look for results in eight weeks, 12 weeks, even six weeks, which I suggested, um, you're going to get some results in those six weeks, but they're not going to be monumental. But again, once you start back on running and you're able to run and lift and go back and forth between running and lifting, without any soft tissue injuries like zero none zilch for weeks on end you have found the magic recipe you mm. made yourself more resilient and the stress mitigation that you have to lifting it's like if you went to run with a friend you, you might tell him oh yeah man i did i i trained legs today like crazy you know cuz you'd want that buffer to to tell your buddy like yeah I'm kind of, i might be kind of slow today <laughs> But imagine it's five years from now and you've been having that routine normal. You wouldn't mention to him anymore
2: because
1: mm. it wouldn't make any difference. It's not going to slow you down. we talked to inSEma this morning who also went on the run, who did really impressive, by the way. He said he did 31 minutes and he said they did the whole thing nasal breathing. What a beast. Freaking jacked. Um, but, you know, it's going to take time to get better at stuff. It really is going to take time and you have to just – understand that lower your expectations Hmm. when i first started running it was just little just biting off a little bit at a time i would run from a rock to a stop sign i'd run from a stop sign to a house i'd run from one tree to the next and it was like we're talking sometimes we're talking sometimes 25 yards you know sometimes Mm -hmm. it was because i would go to run and i was like man that Doesn't feel good on the ankle. Wow. That's really jamming my ankle into the grounds because it's been decades since I really like tried to run. And uh, now um, I I would say if I had to, I think I can go run a marathon without any. uh, Well, it would take me a little while to recover from it maybe, Mm but I can go do it without any problem.
0: Well, that's what's pretty cool about all the messaging you're putting out about this new goal, because I'm sure you have a lot of powerlifting (laughs) followers, and I've engaged with a lot of endurance athletes over my time and realizing myself how important it is to broaden your horizons. Even if you love this sport the most and you'll always be at heart an ultra-distance trail runner, um, now we're looking at the research and realizing that, that functional muscle strength is the number one predictor of longevity it's not being able to go and, and shuffle through a marathon and i think we get at these narrow-minded and i'm sure in the powerlifting community and in the, in the gym community um, they don't have enough respect for the ability to mm-hmm. lace up your shoes and take off down the block so we have a lot of fit specimens out there but the focus is super narrow and that includes i mean I, when i was a triathlete it's all the same. It's just an extreme endurance cardiovascular. All three sports are going straight ahead. You're not guarding anybody on the basketball court. And when I emerged from that period of my life, I realized how pathetic my my overall fitness score was and that I needed to broaden my horizons, mm. which is, I think it's fun. You've showed, you know, with your with your attitude and your lightheartedness about it. It's like, yeah, go run for twenty yards and uh celebrate these baby steps you're taking away from your bread and butter.
1: I think people would be shocked that that it's like it's impossible not to get better at something that you really suck at when you're really bad at the, something, the learning
0: curve is faster. That's oh, right. it's
1: really fast. You're, yeah. you're, you're gonna be you're gonna be totally surprised. It's not gonna be without like its bumps and bruises. It's not gonna be without like there's gonna be pain. You are most likely going to hurt yourself. Like, there's all kinds of stuff. I mean, even if you just tried to increase your push-ups, like, I don't know, you might hurt your wrist. You might hurt your shoulder. Mm -hmm. Like, you just, something's going to happen. It's a new stimulus. We talked this morning a little bit about new stuff. You always got to be cautious when something's new. So, again, you know, if you're, I think, I think it's kind of a blessing to be older, to be, like, 40 plus because, you have learned at least some of the stuff that doesn't make sense for you to do at the moment and that you're, you're okay with like, I should probably build into that. Mm. But when you're still like in your thirties and stuff, you're like, yeah, I used to do that all the time. I'm trying. And then you boom, you tear your hamstring, you get hurt, you know, you end up with, you just, you got to find a way again to, you know, mitigate what could potentially happen to you. Um, Something like a hamstring tear or something like a, you know, you don't, you don't want a hamstring tear, but we can be, uh, reasonable and understand that like we might get a hamstring tweak here and there, mm-hmm. we might get a calf tweak here and there, but we can't afford a tear. So you got to think about the stuff you go with a friend and they're doing something, uh, extravagant, something a little different than what you're used to. Oh man, you got to be strong enough. And that's the hard, it's very difficult. You got to be strong enough to say, that's not for me. I, I went out with, uh our buddy Graham Tuttle, the barefoot sprinter. And uh, it was, you know, I was all excited. I was like, I'm going to have him out here for a month. You and know, we're going to work together. All I'm going to do is, is like follow him through some drills. It's going to be awesome. And we did one workout where we did a uh, hundred meter. They weren't meant to be sprints of any kind. It was like a hundred meter run. But this is also months ago before I was as conditioned as I am now. And I should have known better. He said, we're going to do eight. I should have said, hey, you know what? Three or four is probably going to be good for me. I'm a big boy and I'm out of shape, you know? So we do six. We do seven. And on the eighth one, I'm even trying to relax when I'm running. and mm-hmm. just got a little click. Something oh, like the boy. psoas or the hip. And it still bothers me. It still, It still is a little. But I'm actually grateful for it because it's something that keeps me in check. And I... If that, if that governor wasn't there, I probably, I probably would be and probably would have hurt myself way worse. So Mm -hmm. it's actually kind of a, it did throw me for a loop for a couple of weeks. Um, But, you know, these things, these, you're, you're going to, you're going to run into some setbacks, Mm -hmm. but I've always kind of viewed uh, pain and injury as uh, my mentor, my teacher, you know, it's going to teach me some lessons and, um, how disrespectful of me to not learn the lessons. You know, I need to pay attention. So that one I didn't really see, uh, even though I probably looking back at it, I, I probably should have. But I thought the intensity was low enough to not get hurt. And what I recognized is you can get hurt doing just about anything. So be really cautious. I've gotten hurt in the gym. From pushing our sled at a really slow pace, just where I slightly popped something in my calf and I'm like, you got to be kidding me. What in the world was that? But I didn't warm up. There was like five plates on there. I just went right to it. Yeah. It was too much of a strain at the wrong time of day or whatever it might be. Um, I also got hurt a couple other times that were, that were similar to that, where it wasn't like... It wasn't like, okay, well, Mark tried to dunk a basketball and he tore his calf. <laughs> you know, it's like, well, that one I can take full yeah, blame and full responsibility. heroic effort. And indeed. I can say that was really foolish, you know, that, what was I doing, you know, trying to dunk with knees over toes guy. That was, that was foolish, right? Um, but a lot of times you just get hurt doing something that's kind of minimal and how do we kind of... Uh, I kinda of think of stuff as like Zombie land, the movie Zombie Land, where mm-hmm. he's got this list of things that can take him out in terms of the zombies getting him, yeah, he always has his sho- his shoes tied, but not only are they tied they're they're double you know double loop right, double knotted. Uh, He does a bunch of other stuff like he stretches. He does all this stuff. And I think I think you need the zombie land. He always has a baseball bat with him. Like He always has a weapon. (laughs) I think you want to kind of zombie land your life against cancer, against Hmm. heart disease, against diabetes. What are going to be the things that take you out? So what are these injuries that are going to happen? And how do we how do we figure out a way? You know, with our run today, we started out like really, we didn't really pick up this pace much. (laughs) We started
0: out slow and and tapered off. Kind of continued to go (laughs) super slow, yeah. Um, But that was an interesting start low and slow. uh, We were talking about Kipchoge, the the great marathoner who broke the world record last weekend, and they um, were—is he under two hours? He did the under two hours for that uh, orchestrated mm. uh, sponsorship event where they ran around a racetrack with pacers and all these things that are illegal oh, in real see. marathon racing. And some of the purists were like, well, that doesn't count because he had pacers and he had this and he had that and uh, the lights lighting up to to tell him what pace he was on and but all these advantages. So he did old. a 159 marathon. I think it's yeah. a great athletic achievement. He still had to run it. Give me a break. But in like an, an official race the Berlin marathon, he did two hours and one minute. And so he's, he's wow. you know, it's it's just sensational. But you said he
1: like trots, right? Like, But little.
0: we were saying like he starts his easy runs out at like an 8.45 pace and then builds into finishing at a six something pace. And it's like, oh yeah, so do I, you know? But um, if you think about eight minutes, 45, that's double his marathon pace. He's running 4.30 for the marathon. And so for almost all of us, to properly model the greatest runner in the world, most of our runs should be walks and jogs because he's running at 65% capacity for most of his weekly mileage. It's like 100 out of his 135 miles a week mm. are run at this pace that equates to a brisk walk for the average runner out there who's pretty competent and has put up some good times. It's kind of mind blowing how the body builds from, uh, you know, sort of a natural. Um, and comfortable pace. Yeah, what you mentioned to me... (laughs) There's a good treadmill. If you're watching on YouTube, they set up a treadmill to teach people what it's like to run his pace that he runs for a marathon. And they usually go for, you know, 10 seconds, 20 seconds, whatever. It's four minutes, (laughs) 32 per mile. It's insane.
1: And you were mentioning that he might be going like 14, 15 miles an hour or something, right?
0: Yeah, something like that. I mean, he's running 432 per mile. A a five-minute mile is 12 miles an hour.
1: That is, uh, man, that that is like astonishing the the level that he's reached. But you know, it falls in line with some of the stuff that we've learned or I've learned over the years from lifting. You know, mm. some of the percentages and some of the things that we equate, some of the rest intervals. Like mm. it's not uncommon for a rest interval with a sprint to be like sixteen times the amount of time yeah, it took crazy, you to do huh? the sprint. Yeah and you end up with similar you know there's always that uh everybody's experiences there's always that old fat guy at the gym who takes you know 6 7 minutes in between his sets well that's because the guy's doing you know heavy singles he's got to he's got to get his rest and those lifts take a much shorter time those lifts right. take a much shorter time so the shorter that something is the longer rest that you need to be able to duplicate it mm. and also the longer rest you need for the warm up uh our warm-up today, we didn't have one. We just ran, right, because, like, we didn't move very fast. Like, what we were doing wasn't really dynamic or spectacular. So, you know, I know some people are like, "Ah, right, you should always warm up. And, you know, uh, if I told you to, you know, our workout for today is to open and close your fist as fast as you can for 100 reps on both hands, you, there would just, it's completely pointless to try to warm up for that. Mm. We're going to move our eyebrows as quick as we mm-hmm. can, you know. It's there's sometimes there's not a reason to warm up if what you're about to do uh, is, you know, you're basically just playing checkers or playing chess. I mean, there's not really a maybe there is a warm up for chess. Sorry, everybody. But there doesn't always have crossword
0: puzzles or something. You might need to fire the brain a
1: little bit. Right. Take some uh, modafinil or whatever it is. Right. That they might take for that.
0: The chess players doping. Yeah, I know they are. That's what I heard. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I know the archers. We're getting in trouble for taking beta blockers. Mm. So they just be calmed down. And so that's on the banned list of substances. And
1: what do you think about like uh, trying to increase the intensity via some other things? So I know that some people sometimes Mm. they will increase their distance a little bit. So we just talked a little bit about like, hey, let's maybe peel back the running and maybe you'll run faster. That seems to be a good consensus right now, right? There's a lot of information. There has been information since the eighties and the information is building and building. And it seems like, Hey, Kipchoge is doing that. And so are a lot of other people. So that seems like a good route. Is there any other ways to maybe cheat the system? Do you think like, what if, um, what if you ran with a weight vest that is, uh, you know, 5% of your body weight or 10% of your body weight? Or what if we went and did some hills but we ran real slow. Like, I don't. What's your opinion yeah, on I mean, some of that? I mean,
0: altitude training is oh. the best example because everything's way more difficult up there. So, with running and with any impact sport, there's a huge limiting factor here, which is the the stress to the body. And so, you can't just go out there and run as fast as you can every day and expect to get better. They did that, interestingly. In the old days, in the twenties and thirties and forties, and Pavo Nurmi, this great Finnish runner who won many gold medals, they reported his workouts and they were just torturous. And but you know, he survived and was able mm-hmm. to win Olympic gold medals. And but the then the first guy yeah. that
1: did beat the four minute mile, he also yeah.
0: Bannister was ran a medical like a student. Madman, right? Yeah, and he didn't have he had thirty minutes a day to train <laughs> and he broke the world record in his time and ran three fifty nine in the mile. So he was running hard every time he went out to the mm. track. And now the more sophisticated approach is to kind of build this aerobic conditioning base at a comfortable pace so it's not stressful to the body. Mm. And so there are ways to kind of um, get around this limiting factor of the impact trauma of running, and that would be non-weight-bearing activities like sprinting on the bicycle or going uphill,
2: what going if to altitude.
0: Went, what if you went the opposite direction? You would you would probably have that tweak in the psoas mm. times times twenty. Like you
1: think so? I mean, sometimes that's the answer, right? Like, what? I, so I said a five pound or ten pound, but like, what if you went with like a you know or five percent or ten percent? What if you went with something that's like thirty percent your body weight, fifty percent your body weight? Oh, with it.
0: it would be interesting because you wouldn't be able to move as quickly, and so you would have less impact trauma carrying extra weight. Mm. In that example, and it could have a certain training benefit. But the interesting thing is, and we talked about the the Britsons <laughs> on your show, where these guys knew that anything short of actually running in a circle around the track at race pace was less effective. Mm. You just can't do that all the time. And so they'd go in the pool and they'd be grumbling and frustrated about it if they had an injury because they knew they were falling off conditioning. But in, in a they big They like to picture, be
1: very specific, those guys. Well, you
0: have to. I mean, yeah. it's like Kipchoge can't run a 201 marathon, uh, dawdling in the park and riding his bicycle in the mountains. Um, but that can be complementary to the workouts that you can do. Um, same with, for example, a CrossFit person, mm-hmm. maybe just doing a hike on the weekend to build their endurance because they're working out for a long time in the gym and endurance is an important component there.
1: I see. So like maybe a hike or maybe a ruck, something like that might be beneficial because it's not running, but yes, you maybe have more weight or you do have a lot of hills. What about running hills? Do you know anything about, like, does that pull some of the, like, is there, I mean, I guess there'd be like more kind of tension on your hamstrings and stuff, but like, because each step is upward rather than straightforward, there's got to be
0: less impact. Oh, force, massively right? less impact. Yeah. Same with doing all the drills that I do. And I did some this morning and they're on YouTube and, um, those are of minimal impact. Because mm. you're just not, you know, turning on the gas and running as fast as you can. So we always have to work around that that challenge of staying healthy. That's a tough one. Um, running uphill is great, yeah.
1: So it's almost like maybe a little bit of the conjugate system into, <laughs> into some running. Like, like Louis Simmons in powerlifting was a huge fan of the conjugate system, which just basically meant you had a large variety of exercise to rotate around.
0: Oh, so that you wouldn't like over-traumatize some joint from doing too much bench press, So maybe like
1: one day we go and we smash some hills. Maybe the next day we do a really light run. Maybe the next day we do uh, the Aerodyne bike, you know, things like that, right? Yeah,
0: okay, so here's what the triathletes learned the hard way Mm. as it was such a wonderful awakening for me as an injured college runner again and again and again. I finally threw up my arms and said, this ain't working for me. I cannot handle (laughs) the, the collegiate running system. And so I went right over to triathlon I was never injured again for a decade because mm-hmm. if I got a niggle in my deltoid from swimming, I wouldn't swim for a few days. I'd go and bike a hundred miles and um, pretty soon the shoulder would right itself. And same with any minor running injury, you just take care of it by sitting on the bike seat and going to the swimming pool. However, the human you know, is this dynamic organism that mm-hmm. only has a certain amount of energy to devote to uh, locomotion, like that quote uh, from Dr. Herman Ponser, uh, reproduction, repair, growth, and locomotion are a zero-sum game. So if you're locomoting your ass off like a Tour de France rider riding for hours and hours every day, they're lying on their back and eating food when they're not pedaling because they have no more energy to devote. And I'm sure that you run up against that that limit in powerlifting as well. Yeah, the
1: wife's like, hey, like, what's going on here? Yeah, you can't get off the couch. <laughs>
0: yeah, right. But I mean, uh, you know, would a power lifter benefit from um, some explosive basketball training with the basketball team? Perhaps so. But if you don't have the energy or you're bumping up against your maximum energy capability, then you're not going to benefit from anything except uh, a meditation session.
1: Yeah, and and where the power lifter would benefit the most from basketball would be is if he had it in his history. You know, that's right, so that's it wasn't where, that
0: stressful. Yeah, yeah,
1: that's where you would want the non-specific stuff most likely to be. Otherwise, it has to be like kind of specific. You know what I mean? Like, even though Louis Simmons did switch up exercises, it wasn't like he went from a close grip bench press to playing tennis. You know, he went from <laughs> a close grip bench press to a wide grip bench press, right?
0: Yeah, I think if you're if you're doing it right, like the elite athletes of the world are good models because obviously they're doing something right. And Michael Phelps, we talked about him a bit. Um, you know, he trained five hours a day mm. for 20 years straight or something. He five years, a day. yeah, five years oh, Five years they had a streak. But generally in his mm-hmm. career, mm-hmm. he was in the water for a large part of his day because there's no stress to the joints and the musculoskeletal. And so swimmers can train, in a manner of speaking, you know as as hard as any athlete or harder than any other athlete in terms of their lungs working and and their muscles moving because they're they're weightless um I wouldn't say it's as hard as you know the hardest training athletes are probably um, someone that's taking impact and working all their muscles like mm. a runner a cross country skier is another good example of you know they're they're just working the muscles and the 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 cardiovascular system like crazy because there's no impact mm. there. So every every athlete has their limitations and some of it's uh, the impact.
1: I'm uh, really excited about this book that we're formulating and working on because, you know, I have so many people asking questions about diet and nutrition and sometimes sometimes the answer is kind of obvious and sometimes it's like not so obvious and, and you get into a lot of stuff about keto and intermittent fasting and it can be complicated, um, but... A lot of things are like an overcorrection, right? So we had <laughs> we had like this carb thing going on for a long time and people really watched their fat calories, which still, by the way, I don't think is a necessarily bad idea. I do think it's a bad idea to limit your fat to the point where it's detrimental to your hormones. But most people, if they have, even just throwing out a blanket number, regardless of size or sex, if people have 60 to 70 uh, grams of fat in a day, they're usually good to go like it, you, there's not a lot of people that would suffer from anything uh uh-huh. eating that amount of fat that would be a reasonable amount. but there was people years ago like trying to have zero fat
0: uh-huh.
1: each day and they were eating like five or six hundred uh grams of carbohydrates. but there's a lot of stuff to kind of untangle and stuff like that, and I think people need to try to find when somebody says oh, you need to find something that works for you. I think we need to kind of define that because um, there is a clear pathway for the human body and there's a clear pathway uh, that the human body works. Like we know that if you prioritize protein, that that'll do some really magnificent things for you. And if you're somebody that has struggled with hunger in the past, eating a lot of protein will really knock the crap out of some hunger. Mm -hmm. It won't really help with the cravings on on the other hand what can help with the craving. So is some sweet something or other. So Mm. I love protein shakes. Um, I love fruit, protein shakes, fruit. I also eat some cottage cheese, eat some yogurt. I buy yogurt that doesn't have sugar in it. And then I take a scoop of my uh, vanilla protein and I throw it in the plain yogurt and I mix it up and it tastes unbelievable. And that's Mm. part of my fruit bowl. But what I think is an interesting thing. I think sometimes when people start to think about their diet, they think of this really dry, boring thing. Man, how many days can I make it through this? How many? Oh shit! Look at that, man. It's day three, and I'm I'm still doing pretty good, but I don't feel great. Like I'm tired. It's because people are underfed. That we lost sight of the fact that your nutrition needs to be very nutritious,
0: <laughs>
1: uh-huh. and You can accomplish this by eating what I'm a huge fan of is meat and fruit. You might be able to mix some other stuff in there too. Um, And definitely there's room for play. Like let's not make any mistake about that as well. Again, if we don't put like a time domain on this, if we're not in like a race to lose 30 pounds by the end of the month or in two months, um, is there room for a beer? Is there room for some wine? Is there room to go to a baseball game and have a hot dog? I think there should be. I think there should be. I think if those are things that you value and you enjoy and you like, especially sometimes with family, I love having a drink with my wife. I like that today that you mentioned Mark Sisson, like you're like, yeah, it's pretty cool, man, because he he is a hard ass. He's got a lot of things lined up really well. He is a really powerful man. However, he doesn't mind just enjoying some food here and there, enjoying a drink here and there. I think most people, I think that's what they're after. They're trying to they're trying to find that. How do I yeah. find that equanimity? in my diet? How do I find that kind of balance in my diet? And what I would say is like part of the unfortunate thing with uh, a nutritional intervention is that it's never over. Like there's not an end to it. <laughs> there's not an end to it. There's, there's no end game. There's no like, all right, I got to uh, 12% body fat and I'm a little bit more jacked and now I get to just chill. Uh-huh. Like, it doesn't work that way. You're quickly, your body fat percentage is going to quickly start to go back up again. Now, your metabolism is a little faster and you might process the calories uh, and utilize the energy more efficiently and stuff like that. Sure. But your luck's going to run out at a certain point if you mess around for too long. So what I'm excited about is I think what some of the stuff that we've been writing about so far is getting rid of is that we are going to provide you with a diet where, yes, there's still... Maybe cravings towards some old things that you really enjoyed, like candy and pizza and ice cream. Like we, we can't outline a diet that allows for that uh, to frequently be eaten. However, when you have the combination of meat and fruit and some dairy, some protein shakes here and there, you're going to feel like you're on a diet that doesn't need any cheat meals. Mm-hmm. You're going to feel like you're on a diet that doesn't need a cheat day. And again, occasionally you're going to be like, oh, it's my wedding anniversary fucking celebrate 10 years it's gonna be great go have some wine go enjoy a meal of whatever it is your favorite thing is but the real bitch of it is once you get deep into this and you learn it that meal is probably going to be like steak and potatoes right it's not going to be like a bunch of donuts or something like you're envisioning in your head
0: hey man how's your sexual function oh uncomfortable talking about it a skilled practitioner puts the gains wave magic wand onto your magic wand. And after a series of six to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless, but extremely effective, you get real results. Gains wave reports an 80% success rate. Now, It's a tune-up for your equipment. And while it's great for ED, GainsWave is for any man that wants to combat the effects of aging and get a little boost for your A-game. So please visit gainswave.com/brad. That's G A I N S W A V E.com/B R A D to find a practitioner in your area and you can take advantage of my special promotion. Buy 6 treatments and get one free. You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com slash Brad. Yeah, I think those cravings for processed foods are on account of having processed foods present in the diet for years and decades, and these mess up your ability to generate cellular energy internally. Mm -hmm. Therefore, if you're not feeling energetic and and, uh, alert and in a good positive mood with your appetite hormones and everything stable... You're gonna be looking around and everyone can relate to this at the end of a tired, cranky, stressful day. Mm-hmm. That's when you're gonna reach for the Ben and Jerry's pint. But if you like front load with, you know, impeccable nutritional standards, you're gonna drift in the direction of the stuff that you want more than anything else is ten eggs every morning. Like I mean, Andrew. We
1: heard about a savage guy who does ten eggs. And Didn't you, we hear about that? Is that, mean, or is that a
0: rumor? And you look forward to it every morning, right? Every, I mean every like, single morning, yeah. yeah it's It's fantastic strategy, I mean we it could be another book there. The there's t- the ten egg diet mm-hmm. how to lose Weight and get shredded in a short time. Just I, start with ten eggs. I think we could write the entire
2: outline and click publish probably by the end of today because you just eat ten eggs every day and then you're good to go. yeah, what I like about mm-hmm. that is uh.
1: Hey, you know what? Uh, We've heard from a lot of people that struggle with their diet and what is the major problem? Mm -hmm. A lot of times they look at their plate and there's like there's not much food there, you know. And another problem that we have is like that food doesn't taste very good. I don't want to eat that salad. I don't want to eat whatever the food is that they don't like. Ten eggs with some butter. And I think Andrew even has some toast with it. Mm-hmm. right
2: yeah yeah so that's i guess the one thing that's primal is that i will have like just your regular ass bread that i, to- J- I toast on the up. jv team bro. yeah yeah <laughs> i know right yeah i'm still riding the pine but <laughs> but yeah i have that because 10 eggs like it it will get kind of like a daunting task because you look at this gigantic plate and it's like oh my gosh but then you have that toast and you're like oh like mm-hmm. now it's now it's a party you know and it's delicious and no i i love that and again
1: you know hearing some of the issues that people have had, you know, I used to weigh 330 pounds myself and I had a lot of issues. I I thought, you know, Oh, I just got big for powerlifting and this is, you know, time, (laughs) time to get shredded. And I went to go on a diet and I was like, Oh my goodness. Like I, I got a problem. Like this is not good. Mm. I'd wake up in the middle of the night. I still wake up in the middle of the night. I still want to eat and I still do eat. A lot of times I'll make uh, like a protein shake every Mm. once in a while. I'll have a malfunction and eat something that I probably shouldn't. (laughs) Uh, but it's usually pretty clean even if I do, but I wake up often. Um, I don't know why I do this. I do this every day and I, you know, like sometimes you do something every day and you're like, why do I do this every day? And I tell myself every day that I'm not going to do this and then I end up doing it again. This is the thing for me is, I mean, now I'm just, you see me pounding. Like I just had four drinks, right? I don't normally drink enough during the day. So I'm trying to like start a new habit of drinking more during the day. Because I drink so much at night and then I'm Mr. pee pee pants at Mm -hmm. night and I have to use the bathroom a bunch. But sometimes I wake up in the middle of the night and I'm kind of like up, up. So I'm like, I'm going to go make a protein shake
0: or something like
1: that. I got a sweet tooth. Try some new
0: flavors here.
1: Yeah. I got a a sweet (laughs) tooth from even back, you know, now it's been like 10 years ago since I slayed that dragon that was 330 pounds. And uh, the dragon is still hungry. It's still got to feed it here and there. So,
0: Oh, I'd say you did a number on yourself from that quest to add weight. Mm -hmm. And I feel I can relate a little bit because the triathlete example is we literally... Had to make a concerted effort to consume extra calories so we would recover. Mm-hmm. And so you get in this mindset of just like inhaling food and then reaching for more and wandering around and having food in your hand and having snacks in your drawer in your bag. and Couldn't leave
1: the house without a big thing of food.
0: Yeah. And then, then you're asking me to extricate from that immediately the day that I retire and stop training for five or six hours a day. It, it messes with your head. It really does. The relationship with food is not appropriate because it should be a celebratory event every time we eat. The meal time should be calm, relaxing, a great time to share and socialize. A home cooked, home prepared meal. And when you're in like the calorie mode, you have to discard all that and mm. say, you know, give me something right now. I'm gonna or I'm gonna get a, a moody in in 15 minutes. So, when you're going for that competitive powerlifting. And you said, just, just put on weight is a good way to get stronger. I'm wondering why that would matter if it was fat. Like if you're going to go to the deadlift bar at 330 pounds, but you're 20% fat, are you going to lift less weight now that you're jacked and tan? Is that what you're telling me? If you were to take a pillow
1: and uh, just put it under your shirt and then bend down like you're about to pick up a deadlift bar you'll immediately feel a little more pressure. So having Mm. a little bit of a belly, you know, and some of those guys kind of have, which is probably not the healthiest thing, they kind of have a a belly that's kind of like a hard uh, abdomen slash, you know, oblique kind of boulder looking stomach, right? Uh, When you go to deadlift and you go to pick up that weight, it is a big advantage. In the deadlift in particular, sometimes it's a disadvantage. Sometimes you'll actually notice a lot of deadlifters uh, have Sometimes a smaller waist, but usually like just, you know, mass moves mass. And so when we're talking about like football player, you know, uh, a center versus like a nose guard in football or something like that. I mean, the guy across the ball doesn't care if the other guy's ripped. You know, the fact that the guy's 325 is what allows him to like handle himself. So it's not it's not the end all be all to mm-hmm. to be big, to be able to lift heavy. And you don't you certainly don't need to be big to lift heavier weights. However, it's normally advantageous to be a little bigger because mm. it normally gives you a mechanical
0: advantage. I wonder if also there's, you're you're making sure you're recovered. You're not screwing around with fasting and hey, maybe you're gaining, yeah. you know, 50 pounds over your 10 year career, mm-hmm. whatever it is, but you're well fed all the time. That's, that's kind of a good way to train for, I'm also for just, powerlifting. I'm
1: also talking about like, So there's that kind of weight gain where you're, you're like bulking and you're getting big. Mm -hmm. You don't necessarily have to push to that level, but for some people listening, they might not be able to relate. They might not have felt this before. Uh, but when you're, when you feel well fed, like you ate a good amount of food, in the course of a handful of days and you're well-trained, you could feel it in like your, like inside your muscles that Mm -hmm. you feel strong. Like right now my, my muscles feel hydrated. I drank a lot of water. I had some, uh, I had some fruit this morning. I had some meat this morning. We, We went on that run. So like everything's working and my body is using energy the way it's supposed to, but it's also sticking energy into the right spots, I believe. And so if I was to go bench press right now, I would feel pretty strong as opposed to even if I was like, we know what dehydration can do. Like we know how, how that can weaken you so much. But if I was three pounds lighter, just simply because I didn't eat today Mm. because it's just math, right? There's each one of these things weighs something and I ate food. So three, four pounds of weight, if I was three or four pounds lighter and some of these fluids didn't have an opportunity to start to get into my muscles, uh, I don't know. I wouldn't necessarily automatically be weaker, but I certainly wouldn't feel as strong. It's like you need that kind of like cellular buildup. And if somebody can picture just if you're to put on like an elbow sleeve or a knee sleeve, it instantly will make your arm bigger because you're now a quarter inch bigger on the forearm, a quarter inch bigger on the bicep. And when you go to lower your forearm onto your bicep in something like a bench press, it happens earlier. So,
0: this is the secret behind the slingshot. This is why you yeah. <laughs> became the meathead millionaire. That's right. Yeah. So explain mm-hmm. this again. Like you, you put on a contraption. Mm-hmm. I guess a belt would count too or anything. Oh, okay. yeah. Yeah. So, so any mm-hmm. type of device that is what's supportive. It it's supportive and it's uh, confining the muscle and causing more compression or something.
1: A compressed muscle, a lot of times, is a stronger (laughs) muscle. A larger muscle is oftentimes a stronger muscle. And again, that has to do with leverages Yeah, a lot of times. Um,
0: I thought it was just a gimmick this whole time, this slingshot thing. Like, it looks cool.
1: Turns out the damn thing might do something, right? So
0: you can lift more weight when you slingshot up also. Mm -hmm. And you're safer. Right. Because Why?
1: What I believe the slingshot actually does, I mean, there's some different things to elbow sleeves and knee sleeves, but the slingshot in particular, I believe it acts as like double muscle. So it's almost a way to like make yourself bigger for a minute, uh-huh. <laughs> even though it's not doing anything in, in that regard, but it acts as double muscle. So when, the mu- when you go to lower a weight in something like a bench press, that is the eccentric portion of the bench press. That's the lowering portion of the bench press. The eccentric portion of a bench press is when the chest muscles start to stretch and lengthen. The same exact thing is happening with the slingshot. That's why I refer to it as double muscle. It is stretching and lengthening as you bring the weight down.
0: There's a video of the slingshot, so you're going to have to watch the video. There's Mark explaining the slingshot.
1: As you go to press the weight back up, your muscles are going to contract. They're going to shorten, and so will the slingshot around your body. So... Even though it helps and even though it assists, there's still a lot of work that you have to do to press the weight out of the, out of, just to press the weight through full range of motion. Mm-hmm. And so you're not only getting the benefit of the slingshot giving you some protection, but you're also still getting an awesome benefit of the sling, of, uh, of just bench pressing in general. One of the things that happens, and Joel Seidman, uh does a lot of work in this area. He's like one of the few guys where you really see Talk about this a lot, but Joel Seidman is a huge fan of what most of us would call half reps.
0: Mm, he likes
1: yeah. to see people. He doesn't believe that sports are played down low, He believe, which is like kind of uncommon. Most people are like, hey, you got to be a little low for these sports. Um, he trains a lot of professional athletes, and he has his athletes train in a lot higher ranges. So with someone like you who wants to get better at high jump, You would say, man, yeah, it's hard for me to squat, man. It just makes me, kills my back. So then you would show him your squat and he would be like, dude, you're going way too low. Mm -hmm. And you would be happy with that because he'd be like, okay, let's.
0: Well, the jump is only using 20 degree bend in the leg or somewhere around there. So why am I going all the way ass to grass? It's, yeah, I like his stuff. It's very controversial, I guess, where you're only going to 90 degrees on all these things. And then Ben Patrick's having you go pretzel style, bend over backward, reverse Nordic, all that great stuff.
1: Yeah, I see uh, value in both.
0: Yeah, me too. And Good one. Yeah.
1: Yeah. They're, they're both phenomenal people and uh, they're not at ends with each other. They actually agree on a lot of stuff too. But uh, what I would say is like some of the stuff from Ben Patrick getting down in those deep squat positions with minimal weight or no weight, that's a fantastic idea. That's just a different style of squatting, though. That's like, you know, you get a 20-pound dumbbell or you get some kettlebells. And every once in a while, maybe you want to test yourself and handle something a little heavier. Um, but I really think that what Joel does with the partial range of motion and the overload is really important. And it plays into why I created the slingshot and why the slingshot's so effective mm-hmm. and why there's been over a million slingshots sold is because when people. There's a
0: million people walking around with slingshots. Mm-hmm. All over know. the goddamn place. I mean, Worldwide. I didn't even know there were that many people going to the gym and watching. I lifting. didn't even know there was that many people on the planet. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah, it's amazing. That's fantastic, man. Fist bump for, yeah. for the fans watching. And uh, we got to get into that too. Uh, so you were watching your dad do the books, and you were that was alluding <laughs> to how you became a competitive power lifter thanks to the brothers, thanks to the environment. Mm-hmm. But then this this business aspect, too, is pretty interesting. So um, I guess at some point you reached the very highest level in powerlifting. So you were a really focused mm-hmm. pro athlete at 330. <laughs> and then take us down the road to, like, becoming the entrepreneur. And then uh, while you're at it, how you got that weight off and went from mm. fat powerlifter to jacked and tan.
1: Yeah, I, I tore my pec uh, several times. And- oh, boy that's you know when you get backed into a corner that's when you know some innovation can start happening wow. or you just crumple up and and die right so i had to really kind of think about this a little bit more and i tore my pec pretty severely getting ready for a contest i was deadlifting really well and squatting really well things were just starting to click i was just coming into my own i was just starting to i think At that time, I think I squatted around 900 in the gym and I started benching like around 700. Like the lifts were just, they were just starting to click. And every week or every two, three weeks, it was like, oh man, I could do way more than that. When I did the 905 squat in the gym, I remember it was actually like, it was pretty easy. And I was kind of surprised. I was like, man, that moved really quick. I think I can kind of continue to ratchet up and continue to be more successful. So I was just on fire, but I got hurt. And then going into this competition, I was like, you know what? Um, I'm doing too well uh, in, in the squat and the deadlift to uh, just pop out of the meat because my bench isn't very good. So I'm going to still compete. So I basically getting ready for this competition. I wore back then I, I competed in powerlifting gear, squat suits, bench shirts, things like that. They are, Kind of restrictive devices that uh, allow you to lift more weight, so in training, I noticed that I could put on a really baggy, loose bench shirt and I could lift, and I didn't have any pain and I was like, okay, I think maybe I can still go to this competition and still end up with a good squat still end up with a good deadlift, and I didn't want to lose that momentum on those lifts, so I knew the bench was just going to be like a throwaway, like it wasn't going to be a good bench, so I knew that was going to be the case, so I went and I competed. I did well like I thought I was going to do in the squat. I did well like I thought I was going to do in a deadlift. And I did okay on the bench. I got away with like nothing hurting. So I was like, that's a victory. But when a contest was over, look, check this out. This is a 900-something pound uh, board press in a bench shirt. Look at that weight on there.
0: <laughs> We're it's watching a guy pounds. bench a lot of weight, people. The bars bending shit. like a pretzel. <laughs> Amazing what people can do.
1: Some wild stuff, face turning purple and everything. (laughs) Big time. So as I was, uh, you know, I was able to do the contest. I was able to be pretty successful. But afterwards, I was thinking, I know so many guys that told me over the years, and they were really heartbroken over it. They're like, man, I used to I used to bench all the time. I love it. Like, people love the exercise. Mm-hmm. People, lo- people love to bench press, especially mm-hmm. men. Men love to bench press. Anytime anybody mentions anything about working out, people are like, how much yeah. you bench? Right mm-hmm. away, it's the yeah. first question. And I was always, like, bummed out by the fact that people said they used to bench press. And I'm like, man, that sucks. Why can't they do it anymore? And I didn't understand because I didn't have any injuries at the time. But as I started... To have these injuries happening through powerlifting, I started to think, "Man, I don't want to become like that. I want to always be able to do this. I want to be able to have access to this all the time." So when that contest was over, I went to the gym. I just sat there at the end of the bench, and I was like looking at the bench, and I had this baggy bench shirt thing on. I'm like, "I got to figure something. There's got to be something." Bench shirts are weird. They're expensive. They kind of... Well, they don't hard to get
0: on. They're hard to get off.
1: They're really yeah. hard to get on and off. You need like multiple people helping you. <laughs> you need people funny. to, yeah, it's really funny. It's like yeah. a straight jacket. You need people to like lift the weight out to you because you can't like move your arms that well. You become like a mummy. Like you're really like mm. stuck in this position. And so I was like, I think I can make something different that's stretchy that allows a full range of motion. Because one of the problems with the bench press back to Joel Seedman, is that when you start to break 90, as you're coming down the bench press, you end up with a huge mechanical disadvantage. And that's usually where people get hurt in the bench press. It's the least advantageous position to have both the elbows pinned back behind the body. And if you're trying to just to think, I don't always like to push everything back to evolutionary stuff, but it makes a lot of sense. You know, you don't throw with both arms, you know, you don't like throw a spear with both arms. You don't throw a baseball with you don't throw stuff with both arms you don't punch with both arms like you don't ever do that motion right uh-huh. it's one side at a time if you're going to punch or throw and the hips are involved and the torso and everything so a bench press is a really it's a really weird movement and probably kind of a foolish one but it is what it is it's it's <laughs> something that people really like to do and enjoy so i created this device that goes over your elbows stretches across your chest, and as you go to get into the least advantageous position of the bench press, which is at the bottom, you get the most amount of support. Mm. As you go to push through the lift, and as you get into more favorable positions for your shoulders, your triceps, and your pecs, the slingshot lets off.
0: Mm. Unlike the constricting garment, which is just tight all the time.
1: It's just tight all the time, and it's like really difficult to get the weight to come down all the mm. way. Like It's just it's just a nightmare. It just doesn't, it doesn't work well. A lot of times you need like 110 or 120% of your max, you know? So if you, you know, if you bench 300 pounds, you might immediately need like 330 or 350 just to be able to get the weight all the way down to touch in a bench shirt. The slingshot doesn't work that way. You could put uh, 45 on each side and you can bring the weight all the way down. So it allows you to uh, work in a full range of motion fairly easy. So, yeah, that thing
0: like sleeves that you—if you're not watching—it's sleeves that you try on, like a shirt, and then a strap across your chest. So it's like a, a miniature straight jacket or something.
1: Yep, we make different versions of it too. We make uh, a slingshot uh, push-up as well, and there's different strengths. Mm-hmm. But the slingshot push-up is something like if—and I've done this before. I've gone on a run. I'll pull it up on one elbow, and I'll do—I'll do my run, mm-hmm. and in between, I'll drop down and do push-ups. You know things things like that. I mean, why not switch up your workouts here and there? It's real easy, lightweight, convenient to carry around, stick it in your gym bag, but there are a lot of people that there are a lot of people that love the bench press and they're trying to stay healthy on it, yeah. so that can help with that. It's also good for dips. But there are a lot of people that really struggle with their push-ups, and we've had a right. lot of women give us really good feedback to the point where they're like, "I couldn't do any push-ups. Now I'm utilizing the, sl- the slingshot push-up." And they're starting to make a lot of progress. They'll go from doing one. They'll go from only being able to do one or two push-ups in the in the slingshot push-up to being able to do 10, to being able to do 20. And then when they get out of the slingshot, they're able to still do reps because they taught their body how mm. to do it. Usually the biggest problem for people when it comes to push-ups is they don't have the strength in their shoulders and the strength uh, in their core. It's not connected. Mm-hmm. You know how like we talk about doing you know, an upper body workout and a lower body workout. Like we talk about the body as if it's this disconnected thing. Well, the body today I'm
0: doing legs only. Yeah.
1: The body can uh, be a little screwed up over time and it Mm. can feel disconnected. And for most people, when they go to try to have an expression through their upper body, Their lower body sometimes isn't Mm -hmm. on board with it. And so if you utilize a slingshot for pushups, you'll start to feel everything integrated all at once. You'll feel your whole core involved, uh, your toes, your ankles, your calves, your quads, everything, because now you're also in a pushup position for a longer period of time. So if you went from, let's say you can only do one, let's say you can do two reps in a pushup. It's like how long?
0: It's going to be hard to get fit.
1: Yeah, Yeah, you're only going to be in a push-up position for 10, 15 seconds. Mm. What if you can start to do 10 or 20, like if you start doing maybe 20 push-ups, you'll probably be uh, in a push-up position for 30 or 40 seconds. That is a huge difference in volume.
0: So you came up with this idea when you're sitting on the bench one day in your baggy shirt and then... Uh, an aunt or someone sewed the first one, or was this the little uh, the, the prototype just came up in your mind and then you had it got some elastic and got it got it working?
1: Yeah, you know, um, I had the idea for a long time and I didn't know,
0: I didn't really know what to do with it, Just cooking in your head, you mean just cooking you, in my head? No prototype, you just had an idea, you just had a secret idea. He's pacing around the halls. It was just sitting What's in my What's wrong, head. Mark? No, oh, nothing. <laughs> what are you thinking about? Oh, nothing. Yeah. It was sitting in my head and uh, I
1: just didn't know what to do about it. And so I was kind of, I think this is pretty common. I think people are, and this is why I encourage people so much to go out and like do stuff and like try to,
2: mm.
1: try to make stuff happen. Cause this almost didn't happen. Cause I just sat there with the idea for a while. I mean, for a few years, it was just like dormant. Cause I was like waiting around. I'm like, oh, someone will come around. Like I thought someone would like do it for me kind of thing. I had good relationships in powerlifting. I knew some people that had, uh, that made powerlifting equipment. I went to some of them. They were like, they weren't interested. Hmm. Most of them thought it was a dumb idea <laughs> and I had enough people Around me that thought it was a dumb idea to the point where I was like, yeah, I don't know. Maybe that is kind of a dumb idea. And then my oldest brother, Mike, when he died, that just changed everything. I was like, you know, if you watch the movie Bigger, Stronger, Faster, he says in the movie, he's like, I had something in my heart that I knew I wanted to share with the world. But I kind of don't know what it is. I was like, well, whatever that feeling is, I don't want to have that. I would like to be able to express myself and get my ideas out there and the inventions and the songs that I have, I'm going to go sing them, you know? So, uh, I took the slingshot to a bunch of different people. I couldn't figure out how to get it made. And I'm like, just super frustrated driving home in my shitty Honda Odyssey minivan, That the blinker would come on every once in a while, the (laughs) horn would honk every once in a while because I was mad one day (laughs) and I punched it and it would just go. And I'd always look behind me (laughs) as if somebody else was honking the horn. (laughs) I'm just driving home and kind of like almost near tears, just being frustrated with myself because I wasn't really making any money. I was powerlifting and I was a savage and doing good stuff and that and had the gym and stuff already. But um, just wasn't doing much of anything from a financial standpoint. And so I had this idea in my head. I'm like, I don't know, something there's, there's something there with the idea. And I'm thinking like, can my brother help me? Uh, can my wife help me? Can, and I just start kind of thinking about all the people that I know. I started thinking about all the people that are like in my Rolodex or in my phone. You know, I'm thinking about all the contacts I have with people. And it starts to kind of come to me. I'm like, okay, just calm down a bit and just think Mm -hmm. about it a little bit more logically. Like, does anybody know anything about like fabric or materials or anything like that? And so I'm just thinking, well, you got like, Because I was a tinkerer. I tried every, and you probably did this with your triathlons. You probably tried every shoe, every compression sock, every pair of shorts, every anything that you thought would like rocket you forward a little faster. You probably tried all of it a thousand times over and probably had a a storage bin's worth of crap that like some of it worked, some of it didn't. So I had tons and tons of knee wraps everywhere.
2: Mm.
1: And I was like, I have material already. So I just need to take that material to somebody that can sew it in the configuration that I have in my head, and uh, I I actually wrote on a piece of paper because I I can't well, I don't possess the ability to draw very well. So I I drew like this figure eight, like a, almost like an infinity an uh, infinity uh, sign, uh-huh. and I was like, I think it'll be like that. It'll be like this twisted like knee wrap thing, and so I. Thought about it and thought about it, and I came up with my wife's friend, sews the swimsuits for my wife's swim team. And I was like, oh, maybe she would be able to do it. I asked a couple other people, but they were like, I don't have a machine like that that can sew – You know, on, uh, you know, you can't do it by hand, you know, you need like a machine. So
0: getting some dead ends here, man. Yeah. So, (laughs) and all the people that thought it was a dumb idea, I love that. Maybe they could sign a poster for you. (laughs) One million sold.
1: Right. And so, yeah, I went to my wife's friend, and she turns out she could do it. She did have the right machine. And so I met her at Starbucks in Woodland, California, with a bag full of knee wraps and said, Hey, can you sew this kind of like this? She's like, ah, uh, she's like, if I sew it like that, I don't know. No. And I said, oh, well, how about, you know, how about this? And so I folded it over and we we pinned it, you know, a certain way. She goes, oh, yeah, yeah, that'll work. And that's huh. kind of the way the slingshot looks now. And so she came back a week later, met me at that Starbucks again, right next to that Starbucks. Um, it, at the time, there was a Fitness 19 right there. Huh. And so she shows me this product and I'm looking at, and I'm like, oh, my God, this looks cool. I put it on. It kind of fits. I'm like, can you stay right there? I'm like, I'm going to go try this on. So I go and walk because <laughs> I wasn't about to run anywhere at that size. <laughs> I walk to the Fitness 19 and, uh, you know, just walk in like I own the place. That's the way you always walk into a gym. Uh-huh. It's the surest way to get past the guy at the front desk. Nice friendly nod. Give him the wave and be like, Yep, Bob told me to come here. Yep, see you later.
0: <laughs>
1: so I hop on the bench and I put 135 on and move it around a little bit. It feels amazing in the slingshot. And I knew that wasn't like a good tester. So I put two plates on and move that around. It feels almost completely weightless at the bottom, but there's some weight at the top. I rack the weight, get up off the bench, and I just head to toe, goosebumps. Wow. Like, this is it. Like, holy shit. This is like a a lottery ticket. And I don't know why I felt this way because Uh no one sold anything like that ever before. So I don't know what, uh, why I was so entranced with my own idea, but uh, (laughs) I thought I had something special. And so I went back to uh, my wife's friend and said, hey, I need to make a couple of these. You make sure. A couple thousand. (laughs) Well, I need to make a couple of them just to test them in the gym because I need to make sure like that these things don't break and fall Uh apart and stuff. And so. It was a matter of kind of finding the right material to sew uh, into the slingshots. But we already had that information because we were already bench pressing in bench shirts. And so we knew we needed certain types of nylons that were really uh, strong uh, that were sewn into the bench shirts that that wouldn't rip or tear. They just had really good like tensile strength. So I gave her some instruction on that. And from that point, it was just a matter of finding like a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. And that was as simple as, uh, you know, hanging out at that same Starbucks with my iPhone and iPad and typing in on the Internet using Google. uh, Knee wrap manufacturers. And the first thing that popped up is a company that we used that didn't work out great because those slingshots, I, I wanted the slingshot to be red. Most power lifters, they all wear black. Bigger guys trying to hide the fact that they got a little extra meat on their bones, you know, where the dar- the darker colors because they're slimming. So I wanted to make the slingshot bright so that way people saw it if somebody right. was wearing it in the gym. And uh the first batch of slingshots turned everyone's skin red because the thing was like uh <laughs> the dye was like falling off of there. My wife and I tried to run it through our uh washer and it broke our washer. <laughs> Wow, and then they smelled weird and it was just kind of a nightmare so that didn't work well but that was only like a seven well at the time it was expensive for us but it was a seven hundred hundred dollar investment uh-huh. that was just a loss but you know every little bit of money you got when you don't have any is a lot and then so the next thing i did was to find another manufacturer one that uh that, does, that doesn't uh have the red, you know, seeping out onto everybody's body, making it look like they're bleeding when they're lifting. And, uh, I had kind of a misunderstanding with the manufacturer in terms of like when I had to pay. And I thought I was able to give them half the money up front and then they would ship it. Uh, I think I ordered 20,000 slingshots and looking back at it, that was like, just didn't make any sense. But again, I was so confident that they were going to sell like crazy. Um, I was like, I'll be able to sell these really easy in like a year. Um, so anyway, I had a misunderstanding on, on the finances of it. And, uh, they were like, no, like we need the money, need the rest of the money. And then we ship it to you. And I was like, oh shit. So I had to sit on that for a minute and kind of think about it. I'm like, where can I pull out? And I think it was like 10 grand or something I needed, or maybe five grand. Just didn't, I didn't have much money. So I just thought of one of my friends and his name is John Hennigan. He's a former, well, I think he still wrestles. He used to be a WWE huh. guy, professional wrestler. And at the time he was doing really well. And he, he, uh, I called him up and we started talking and he's like, what's going on? I said, Hey, you know, that slingshot thing I was telling you about when we, we used to wrestle, I used to do pro wrestling. I lived in Kentucky for a little while and he and I got to be friends. And he goes, yeah, yeah, I do remember you mentioning that because he was big into fitness too. I said, well, I'm trying to make it. I'm trying to make the product. He's like, holy shit. He's like, that's amazing. And he's like, just right away. He's like, how can I help? Like he kind of knew, you know, I was probably calling for calling in a favor. And I was like, well, I was like, I kind of need money. He's (laughs) like, you kind of need money or you need money. And I was like, yeah, I was like, "I, I need money to get these made. I have everything all situated and they're ready to ship. I just, you know, could use, could use a boost, you know? And he was just like, yeah, man, what's your address? It'd be at your front door tomorrow. I'll send it, Wow, you know, I'll send it, uh, uh, overnight or whatever. And so, yeah, pulled out a check from him for whatever it was, 5k, 10k. I mean, I think we all need help in this world. We all need, all need, uh, an angel, you know, in our corner here and there. And so, Uh, That person for me, obviously my parents with all their support all the time over the years, um, mentally and whatever other way they could support. Uh, But that was a huge, huge deal from a friend and kind of got me out of a, out of a jam. When I got the products, I called him and I was like, yeah, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to pay you back, you know, just probably take, you know, six months or, and he was just so kind and so gracious. And he was like, it's like, dude, don't worry about it. He's like, he's like, I, I don't want to be negative, but he's like, you're not going to be able to pay me back in six months. Like, it's going to, <laughs> you know, you, it's a new company. It's like, it's a new business. It's going to yeah. take you, it's going to take you some time. And I was like, all right, cool. So I think I paid him back like two years later, mm. but those 20,000 slingshots, they did sell the way that I thought they sold. Uh, it took me 14 months to get rid of them and not 12 months. And I kind of miscalculated some sizes. So I had some slingshots that were smaller than I anticipated, and they didn't fit anybody. Like they wouldn't fit like a baby. (laughs) Some kid. (laughs) Yeah. So those, uh, there was, you know, 150 of them or 200 of them that just never sold.
0: Donate them to the kindergarten, the local elementary.
1: Yeah, Yeah, exactly. For the kids that want to have huge bench presses.
0: Now, how did you sell them? You didn't have a platform. You just popped up a website and started selling? Or did you go around retail or to... The powerlifting meets out of your trunk or what?
1: I had a platform. Yeah. There was a thing called YouTube that was just circulating around. And um, I happened to be on the front end of that. YouTube came out in 2006. Um, I have been on the internet to some capacity via videos and other things probably since like 2002 or three um, or maybe four. I don't remember the dates really. Kind of hard for me to think back but i did a lot of stuff for dave tate with elitefts.com um i you can still look up the log that i have in there under the name jackass and uh you know it's just like a training log of mm. the way that i was lifting when i was doing pro wrestling and powerlifting and mixing the combination of those two things together uh so i had an, a little bit of a name for myself already doing some stuff with him and for him and then when I started getting more and more, uh, when I started getting deeper into powerlifting, I just kind of recognized what a weird, I'm in a, I'm in a weird world. You know, you sometimes are telling me about some of these guys you trained with and they're like legendary people. You're like, Oh, this guy and this guy, yeah, he won, you know, the, (laughs) he won the Ironman in 1999. And this guy, and it's like, Holy shit. Like these are, you know you're not just like out on a little run or a little uh you know trip on your bike, you're like actually with you know with with some of the best in the world, and I wasn't necessarily with the best in the world, but I did recognize how weird and uncommon the things that we were doing were you know having uh, a woman in our gym squat you know six hundred and fifty pounds you know and just kind of seeing these things and being like, "I should record this stuff like somebody's <laughs> gonna care mm. about this. I always thought it was cool. Mm. So I'm like, I'm going to film this a lot. And what we did, um, I I filmed a lot of stuff myself, edited a lot of stuff myself. We also had another guy, uh, that was with us at the times named Jim McD and you could still look up some of the stuff on, on that YouTube channel, Jim McD one, two, three, four. I got tons of stuff on super training, Jim, uh, I think it's Super Training Gym YouTube channel, right? Yeah, it's uh, Mark Bell's Super Training Gym. Mark Bell's Super Training Gym YouTube channel. But there's like endless amounts of videos, endless amounts of videos. I mean, I, I, think, I think I'm think i one of the first guys to do voiceover stuff, huh. uh, which sounds so strange. Um, but I, I just didn't see it from anybody else. you know. I, but I wanted to bring that to people because I wanted to educate them as well as showcase hey, Look at this guy squatting 600 pounds, or this girl squatting 600 pounds, or this person's doing deadlifts with chains and bands. And this is why we use chains and bands, this is why we do uh good mornings, this is why we do all these movements. So, some of
2: these are dated for like 14 years ago. Wow, yeah, looking at I mean, the just click, click that top left one right there. Boom, old
0: yeah. school, yeah, mm-hmm.
1: and then we got to. We got a band on there and we got like 600 pounds and we're doing these like box squats and. Is that this is, Jesse
2: Burdick? That in is uh,
1: that is Scott Cartwright oh, okay. right there. Yeah. No, I was saying in the back. Mm. That was probably me.
2: It's hard to tell. <laughs> yeah, All that might've been Burdick, but we, you know, everyone's got so many chins that it's hard to like. <laughs> so many chins and like a little bit of extra hair. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah. You, you can't like tell anybody from anybody else, but. This is just what I love. This is what I enjoy doing. So I wanted, but I wanted to explain it to people too. And you'll even see videos of me doing stuff from the car, which (laughs) I'm probably that old guy taking credit for way too many things. But I, again, I didn't see a lot of people recording Mm. stuff from their car. Now it's pretty common. It's like a, it's
0: like a device. They're sitting in a parked car. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah,
1: People use the car as like their studio a lot of times. Quiet. And uh, I had to do that a lot because I have kids. And so it was the only <laughs> time I had fucking five seconds of myself uh, was when I was in my car. And so I did a lot of stuff like that. But yeah, we have, there's a bunch of videos, even of my, even of my kids on there. And we had, a, we, had a fun, we had a fun time getting that information out there. But the other thing that we did that I wanted to mention is at first we just recorded the lifts and then I would go back and we, I would mm. voice them over. I would talk about them and I'd give people education. And then I noticed that. And when I watched the videos, I'm like, Hey, where's the, I remember after that lift, somebody made a really good joke. Where'd that go? Mm. And we're like, Oh shit. Like we missed it. We didn't, we didn't record that. I'm like, let's keep this shit going. Cause we need to show people that we're happy. Like Mm -hmm. we look angry. We got all this metal music and like we're, we're going crazy in here and we need to show people that we eat donuts and pop tarts, and <laughs> that we have a lot of fun with it. Now I'm looking at a pop tart video <laughs> in
0: your face, yeah, close up.
1: Just stuffing that pop tart right in there, and I and I, even
2: in this video, I'm talking about how viral the video is going to be. He talks about how important it is to get these pop tarts in. It's the secret to oh my god, that strength. You? That's what you right there. <laughs> yeah. Oh,
0: geez, I thought it was some random fat guy in the gym came that in is, to steal a pop tart. That it—that oh, was a random. God. That
1: was a random fat guy. Wow,
0: <laughs> you can be that fat guy, folks.
1: <laughs> yeah. So I wanted to show the fun that we had with yeah, it too, because yeah. I think that's an important part that, that gets the, lost, you know. And the crazy shit that you were doing with your triathlons and stuff like that—it's like there's probably a point where you took it too far, where it wasn't really, you know, it got to a point where. It was like more heartache and more pain sometimes than it was fun. But in the beginning, you did most of it for like the fun of it, right?
0: Oh, I think there's always an element of fun to be had. And sometimes you got to get out of your head and get out of your own way and Mm. quit feeling sorry for yourself that you took the wrong place in the the race. And enjoy Mm. the fact that you got flown to the Caribbean to check out some fun (laughs) island and compete with the best people but uh it starts to accumulate i think the the pressures of surrounding world like you were saying um you guys were uh just hanging on with your shitty van and so there is a you know an inclination to start thinking of the the economic pressure mm-hmm. especially when you're inventing something everyone thinks it's a bad idea but it's cool that you persevered and so it, it pretty much it sounds like I would say that took off right away. If you're getting rid of 20,000 units in one year, that's a pretty good start. Yeah.
1: You know, everyone has a different story and everyone, some people might listen to some parts of that story and be like, I can't do that. Mm. You know, that's not my story. Uh, I understand that. I, I'm compassionate for that. I get it. I know that your story may be different. Maybe, uh, on the, on the racetrack of life, maybe you feel like you started back a little further Maybe your parents weren't there for you. Um, maybe you were abused as a kid, God forbid. There's there's a lot of nasty things that can happen to people. People grow up uh, differently. They grow up in different areas. You know, one of this, It's you know, it's funny because like um, when you sort of like, quote unquote, make something of yourself and you're viewed in other people's eyes as being a success, whatever some of that means – you get a lot of people that ask a lot of questions about it. And one thing that's failed over and over and over again to be mentioned about people that are successful is I still think it's the greatest contributing factor to success is your zip code. So, Hmm. you know, that's, it, it matters where you came from this like world map, you know, are you from uh, some small African country uh, where the government is different? The religion is different everything's different, well, um, I don't know what that's like to grow up like that, but I would imagine that there would be different challenges and I would even go as far to say there's probably a lot uh, harder challenges Hmm. that you may face. Um, And I think it's important to be in recognition of that. You know, uh, I grew up upper middle class. Um, I still had to figure my own life out my own way, but I didn't have... A lot of worry and concern, Uh, you know, my friends when I was 14, 15 didn't have guns. You know, they weren't selling drugs on the street corner. Um, They're just people that grow up with a lot of horrific situations that they didn't sign up for, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, But also, I didn't sign up to get my parents. I just got really lucky. I have beautiful parents that uh, took care of me and nourished me. And my mom, you know, interesting thing and one of the reasons why I'm passionate about making this book and – to deliver these messages is my mother was strong enough to give me and my brothers a lot of strength and give me and my brothers um, like an abundance of confidence, maybe too much at sometimes, uh, But she wasn't able to do it for herself because mm-hmm. she was abused as a kid. She had a rough upbringing and that was always kind of in the background. And so she had a hard time uh, overcoming her own uh, emotions and, history and background, she basically just kind of always thought she would be like kind of in her own words, like a piece of shit. You know, she always thought she was going to be broke, poor, dumb, fat, these things that somebody somewhere along the line, you know, reinforced on her. And even though as she got older and she uh, had a lot of faith and she was very religious and stuff, uh, she could overcome it a little bit, enough here and there for her to strengthen people around her. Um, But she was also still tormented by her own. It was hard for her to get past that, you know? And so I, I'm very compassionate towards that. And I recognize that people have that, but in helping out, like I've helped out a lot of people that are obese, um, even including my mother, I've helped her lose weight, you know, a bunch of times, but unfortunately um, about two and a half, three years ago, we lost her. Um, It's just her, Her health was compromised. And I actually think what killed her was her sleep. I think the lack of sleep over a period of time. Because she, first of all, she didn't look healthy because she was heavy. And as it goes with people that are heavy for a long time, they just kind of get run down over Mm -hmm. a period of time. But something our boy Russell Buddy mentioned on this podcast before is the thing that a lot of people don't recognize when they're overweight. We talk about the heart. We talk about the kidneys and liver and the pancreas, you know, secreting enough insulin or too much insulin or becoming insulin resistant, all these different things. But Russell's like, no one really talks about the joints. Mm -hmm. And Russell's like, your luck is going to run out. If you're 100 pounds overweight, 200 pounds overweight, 300 pounds, it's just a matter of time. Your joints will wear out and then you won't have a choice anymore on being able to move or walk uh, or to take ownership. And that's kind of what happened to my mom. She she lost weight a couple times, gained some of it back. And then as she got older, she ended up uh, on a walker and that was the beginning of the end. So regardless of how hard your situation is now, I do think that there is a time where you're going to have to clench your fist and bite down on your mouthpiece and, and fight for it. I do think there's a time for that. And um, I don't want to be dismissive of your background. And I also don't want to say I understand it because I only know my own background, but I would love to see you make the first step because I know how important it can be.
0: Wow. That's a pretty compassionate way to put that motivational message out there. And, um, you know, we've heard people say, Get the fuck over yourself i don 't care how how rough you had it now it 's time to come out there and crush today and i don 't think that 's as sensitive to you know the the hurdles and challenges that we wake up and face every day. The programming 's in there, and it 's hard to extricate and there 's people that came from a comfortable background like you and like I grew up comfortable background no no issues or complaints mm-hmm. that I can blame today, but there's a lot of people from that world that All we have can do is made, maybe,
1: we can maybe nitpick.
0: <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, sure. Why not? My dad didn't show up to
1: that one football
0: game. There yeah. was too much smog in Los Angeles. My <laughs> lungs aren't as strong as they could have been if my parents had moved me somewhere else. How do they not know about altitude training? <laughs> All that stuff. Uh, but, um, you know, this stuff can- set anybody back and it's like Mm -hmm. there's no guarantee you can make a mess of your life even with all the privileged background or whatever good things you had going for you and it could be because of you know mental health issues that you also didn't choose or Mm -hmm. uh, you know doing what the government says with our uh, food medication and following the following the beaten path and not having it come out well so yeah it's never never too uh never too late to turn the corner. And I love how you want people to take those baby steps mm-hmm. and not get overwhelmed because there's another self-defeating prophecy of setting yourself up to lose because you're taking on too daunting of a challenge or saying, I want to jump like Mark Bell and sell 20,000 units in the first year. I'm going to write it down on a sticky note and put it and look mm-hmm. at it every day. Good fucking luck with that because I don't know if you had your sticky note or not, but um, you know the journey has to be kind of... Um, from, I think, the the most pure and meaningful motivation is you wanted to help other people bench press without pain.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: You weren't looking at the numbers out of the gate until later. Then you have to. You can call up your accounting friends and father and get that handled. But, you know, your heart's got to be in the right place, I think.
1: Yeah, you know, and it felt really good to do that. And I, I kind of feel like my journey's just beginning. I still think there's so much more There's so much more singing to do, (laughs) as I like to kind of think of it. Um, And there's so many more things to share with people. And I have a lot of inventions and a lot of ideas. And um, I don't know if I'll, you know, get around to all of them or half of them. Uh, But, you know, hopefully at some point I get most of them out there. But one thing I want to share with people is regardless of your background, you know, you can kind of think about again, I like to kind of think about like a commonality, like what's what are some how do we get closer to the, like i guess the truth you know you kind of hear that statement sometimes how do we get closer to things that are agreeable and one thing that i think if you can be reasonable which is i think is a great word if you can be reasonable you could probably think about the following and you could think about it in terms of um whether or not it's helpful or not like and i think it's helpful in every situation so What I've learned over the years is that uh, negative emotions, they can only come from one spot. They come from a negative interpretation.
0: Hmm.
1: And it's like, it's a pretty simple concept to see and to understand, but then to put it into your own life and to try to insert it into your own life all the time and hit the pause button on your emotions is really, it can be, it can be really, it can be really hard Um, But even, even in something like, even something such as using the word hard, um, can we try to uh, start to have different communication in our brain about how difficult something is? Because what we know, at least a little bit about running, and I have been running for very long, so I don't know tons about it, but in the little time that I have been doing it, Most of the message so far, it's like, take it slow. Take it easy. Hmm. You're going to continue to get better at it. But we see these other messages all the time about the suffering and how hard you got to be and you got to wake up at 5 a.m. And so the message can get a little fuzzy here and there. But again, if we go back to being reasonable, it's my belief that things usually aren't that hard. Because. Normally, you're prepared enough for them because you did something previously that was not too far from what you are doing now. Mm. You've been a writer for a really long time, and I don't know how long it dates back to, but I would imagine we can go back in time somewhere and said, Brad, I need you to come in here tomorrow tomorrow with 10 pages on the power project and your thoughts on it and, and why it's the best uh, the best podcast in the world or whatever it is. um, Well, nowadays, if you had that assignment, you, you'd probably have it halfway done by the time you might talk to your phone on the way home and then you type it up tonight and boom, it's done. But there's probably, if you trace it back in time somewhere, you know, he'd be like, Power Project, Mark Bell's Power Project. You know, I don't know. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I can maybe get like two pages out about this thing, you know, right? But now you're yeah. seasoned and you know how to do it because you practiced it over time, mm-hmm. you know? So someone could say, Oh, yeah, it's hard to get over writer's block. Or it's, well, it's like, it's only so hard until you're all of a sudden writing again. Yeah. <laughs> and you find yourself in a flow state and, I don't know. I, th- I think we can just have reinterpretations of stuff. Like how difficult is something really? Is it really hard? Are Mondays really hard? Or are you shitting me? Are you fucking with me? Like is Monday actually hard? Is Monday actually harder than Tuesday? If Man, not, Mondays, I'm if, s- Mondays
0: if, I'm... if you believe so, it is. Right. You're, you're correct. Mondays I'm yeah. swamped. It's like, mm, <laughs> with, like... I choose to be swamped. I choose to swamp myself every Monday and complain about it. I choose that. That's choice, a much... Choice, choice, choice. That's a much better term, I think. Mark Bell, killing it. We went all over the place on this, and it was a wild adventure.
1: Andrew, tell them how they can eat 10 eggs in one day.
2: Um, <laughs> one bite at a time? There, there we go. <laughs> go to Costco.
0: What do you buy at Costco?
2: What is it was a 60-pack? Yeah, it's a 60-pack. <laughs> well, because I, <laughs> I was telling pack. him I went to a different place that sold like an 84-pack. Like, it was just a big His cube. son's eating a bunch of eggs now, My too. son tears them up, but this lady was like, oh my god, why? Like, what are you going to do with all that? And I'm like, eat them? And she's like, like all of them, and like, yeah, she's like, How long is that gonna last? I'm like, Oh, maybe a week, and she's like, Just dumbfounded because I'm like, Yeah, it's you know, between me and my family. And so, she asked if I had a big family, I'm like, No, <laughs> so that's <laughs> always good too. Yeah, you're like, They're just going to these biceps, yeah, they got to go somewhere, right? So, it might as well be biceps. I love it. Yeah, <laughs> you know what? The other thing is, before we drop off here, I wanted to mention,
1: I love the fact that you have oftentimes given us
0: treats, chocolate and that uh nut butter that you have. Brad's macadamia masterpiece. Oh, Sensational. that stuff, that stuff's good. That stuff's unbelievable. Just express interest, you'll get more. That's all you got to do. That yeah. stuff's
1: unbelievable and I think um people getting like a little almost like a hobby with uh if you if you get a hobby over certain candies that are too convenient and too easy. Mm. You might be making a mistake, but if you get into a hobby of kind of having like fine chocolates and things like that, you'll find yourself, you spend quite a bit of money on these high end items. You might value them a little bit more and therefore hopefully it controls your eating yeah, a little bit. It's a good there.
0: point. I mean, it, it's got to be celebratory and mindful and all those great things. And like we just found out Salt and Straw opened up the ice cream shop in <gasps> Sacramento here. And, you know, they come from (laughs) Portland and Seattle where we're familiar with trying it up there as part of our vacation to go there. Now it's right here in town. That could be dangerous, but like it's an excursion, it's an outing, you drive there, you're going to enjoy the crap out of it. And it's so different from having your grocery list and throwing in more Ben & Jerry's as a habitual place to go every I have every to evening. have that every yeah. time I'm watching and, the And ball not game. really enjoying it and savoring it or making the very best choice in that category because Ben & Jerry's has seed oils in mm-hmm. a lot of their uh, flavors. I couldn't believe it. These hippy trippy guys are poisoning us. But if you can go get... Something that's the highest caliber, like going over to visit grandma and she has fresh baked cookies. Of Mm, course, you're going to enjoy those. That's different than getting chips ahoy at the gas station when you're, you know, pulling over to fuel your your car tank and your own tank with crap. Mm. I agree. We all agree. (laughs) The 20 Egg Podcast. Thank you for listening. Oh, we're going to go to 20? Exciting adventures. Someday. Well, if
2: if I have it for dinner, then yeah, I'll probably go 20. Yeah. (laughs) But yeah. Setting new
0: heights, mm-hmm. new All record right, I heights. Gotta, I got pee. Same. Thanks for listening, everybody. Hey, man. How's your sexual function? Oh, uncomfortable talking about it? Look, we talk about our injured knees, our belly fat, so it's time to get focused on function. I want to tell you about GainsWave. This is a cutting-edge protocol where a handheld device sends low-intensity shock waves into your penile blood vessels to stimulate a healing response and promote increased blood circulation and the growth of new blood vessels. A skilled practitioner puts the Gainswave magic wand onto your magic wand, and after a series of 6 to 12 very brief treatments, which are painless but extremely effective, you get real results. Gainswave reports an 80% success rate. Now, You have nothing to lose and lots to gain from gainswave.com/brad. Thank you for listening to the show. I love sharing the experience with you and greatly appreciate your support. Please email podcast at bradventures.com with feedback, suggestions, and questions for the Q and A shows. Subscribe to our email list at bradkerns.com for a weekly blast about the published episodes and a wonderful bi-monthly newsletter edition with informative articles and practical tips for all aspects of healthy living. You can also download several awesome free ebooks when you subscribe to the email list. And if you could go to the trouble to leave a five or five star review with Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listen to the shows, that would be super incredibly awesome. It helps raise the profile of the B Rad Podcast and attract new listeners. And did you know that you can share a show with a friend or loved one by just hitting a few buttons in your player and firing off a text message? My awesome podcast player called Overcast allows you to actually record a soundbite excerpt from the episode you're listening to and fire it off with a quick text message. Thank you so much for spreading the word and remember, be rad.